We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday night. That means it is time to talk recruiting. And tonight, we are going to talk about the Notre Dame wide receiver board for the 2022 class. This is a very, very interesting position for Notre Dame because there are players on the board that could make this an outstanding wide receiver class. But there's enough concerns with each of those players to make you wonder if they're actually going to be able to land the players on the board. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into what, first of all, we're going to talk about overall the need in the class. Then we're going to dive into what I look for when I watch the film. So when I watch each of these receivers, what are the things that I'm looking for? And then we're going to dive into the film. And as we're watching film, we'll, we'll go through the strengths of each player, talk about how they fit in at Notre Dame, and talk a little bit about where things stand with, with these prospects. So this is what we're going to do, and we're going to we're going to have some fun with it. This is going to be in podcast form. So as I go through this, I will just be kind of talking and showing film. If you have a question that you'd like to ask uh, during the show, feel free to super chat it. Otherwise, we'll get to the questions at the end. So let's dive right in. Since it's 8 o'clock at, 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 and we're going we're gonna to have a lot of film to watch, so let's dive right in. First of all, when you look at wide receiver recruiting, to me, here's how I see things playing out, and, and I'm going to express my my optimism, but then also my concern about this recruiting class. My optimism centers around, number one, there's some really talented players on the board, and there's, there's players that if Notre Dame handles recruiting correctly at this position moving forward, as I said, this could be a really, really strong wide receiver class. The concern I have is, is a couple areas where uh, – 
Notre Dame has to finish with some players. And there's some players from areas where it's been tough for Notre Dame to finish with those players. And I'm also concerned <clears throat> that there's really only one sort of slot, slotty type of player, sort of an after-the-catch kind of guy on the board right now, as far as we know. They've already taken a 6'3 outside vertical guy. The And then with the exception of one player, Xavion Bradshaw, the board right now is made up of players that are big, tall, outside receiver types. And the concern is that this is what Notre Dame has been saying, Brian Kelly has been saying, has been a big reason why the offense hasn't been as good in recent seasons. And he has said that, you know, look, we need more explosive playmakers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you say, well, you said that after you had Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool together on the outside. Well, you look at some of the recruits you brought in in recent seasons. You look at the 2018 class, which brought some playmakers. You look at the 2019 class. That class isn't <clears> – <throat> there's nobody on that class left on the roster at wide receiver. The 2020 class had a, a couple playmakers on it. One of them's gone. The other one hasn't played a meaningful minute. And then you look at the 2021 class, there's one playmaker in there, but then the rest of it is outside guys. And then you look at this board, and it is a bunch of 6'2-plus guys that you say, well, you know, you're, you're saying two different things, Notre Dame staff. You're saying you need more playmakers, but then you're recruiting guys that are essentially, for the most part, exactly what you've had that you say is, is part of the reason that you're falling short in some of these big games. So that is my one concern. Having said that, if they land the players that, that I'm going to discuss what my at the end, what kind of my ideal class is, and it's not earth shattering. I'm not holding it to the end as some surprise. If you've been following my channel or my website beyond a month, you know exactly what my my ideal class is. And so that's what I'm, I'm going to push for. And from a number standpoint, I am curious to see what the numbers are end up being in this class. Initially, the target was three. Jordan Johnson transfers out. I don't know if that necessarily means automatically you're going to add four to this class. I think there still needs to be some other positions that need to get worked out. But there are some scenarios that could happen between now and the time the season starts where that number could grow to four. The reason that matters is because there's some top targets on the board that aren't in commit mode, which means you could fill up with some top players now and still go after some of those guys. So that is where they are right now, and that's kind of the questions that I'm looking for when I look into this class. So when, when we talk about what I look for with receivers, there's there's basically five main categories, and I kind of wrap everything into five main categories. And these are the things that as I watch through film, I kind of look at these things one at a time. So when I pop into kids' film, I always watch a highlight first just to give me a, an initial feel of a player. Then I'll dive into if I can find game film, I'll, I'll try to find game film. But, you know, I'll look through it and I'll evaluate category one. Then I'll walk, we'll go through the film again, evaluate category two. Then I go through it, evaluate category three. And then that's how I come to my grades. And then that's how I come to my analysis. And the first thing I look at, and it's not an order of importance. It's just it, this is how you build the foundation of an evaluation for me. This is what's always worked for me. The first thing I look for is sort of size, frame, strength. Just the, the uh, player's body. You look at his height. You look at his length. Length is very important for me. I, I would say length is more important for me than height. Uh, at, at receiver, I, that's going to get into the catch radius, which which we'll which we'll discuss later. I look for strength and, and body from a frame standpoint. Can this player add weight? Is it is it important for him to add weight? Can he get away with his current size or not? Is he a guy that's going to grow too big? And that's a question with some wide receivers. Is he going to outgrow the position? 
does he have what kind of playing strength does he have? How does his strength manifest at the at, with his release? How is his strength as he's running his route? How is his strength as a blocker? How is his strength when it comes to yards after the catch? Next is speed. I think speed is the next part I look at. Speed is not an end-all be-all for me, as anyone that, that's followed me for over the years knows, but it is an important part of an evaluation. And speed is not just, you know, what is your 40 time, but it's practical speed, playing speed. So it begins with the burst off the line, how quickly a player gets to full speed. You know, a guy like Will Fuller is going to be a little different than some other receivers because Will Fuller is a guy that I thought took a couple steps to get to full speed, but then he had that great second gear, that great acceleration, which is the other part of speed. You know, how does speed manifest? Can you be fast? Can you only be fast on vertical routes or can you be fast on crossers, drags? Can you be fast out of routes, which I'll get into later? So speed is a part of, of how a player plays the game. Athleticism is the next part. Speed and athleticism for me, I, I break up because you can be very athletic and not fast. You can also be very fast and not necessarily overly athletic when it comes to how you play wide receiver. Athleticism for me is explosiveness, how it manifests itself out of its stance, out of breaks, with the ball in your hands. Are you sudden or are you smooth? I look at foot quickness and agility. I look at hips. Are, do you have tight hips? Do you have fluid hips, loose hips? Are you a flexible player athlete? That matters. That's going to manifest itself when it comes to route running. And then what kind of balance do you have? You know, foot balance, agility, those two things aren't necessarily the same thing. It has to do with, you know, your ability to, to take contact. It has to do with your ability to make cuts without kind of getting out of, you, you know, sometimes guys make cuts and they, they kind of lose balance or their body isn't really, uh, you know, maybe they have tight ankles. That can be part of a thing that balances, you know, can affect balance as well. But that's something I look for. That's important from route running, but also even more important with the ball in your hands. Then I dive into specifics of route running. Now, for me, I don't necessarily care if a high school prospect is a good route runner. It may affect his grade because you, you evaluate where he is as a route runner. But to me, I, I always had the stance when I was a receivers coach that I, I care more about do you have the physical tools to be a route runner? Because what do I get paid to do? I get paid to teach you how to run routes. And if, as long as you have the physical tools and the traits that I look for, then then that's what I cared more about. And, and I feel the same way as an evaluator. I think what it can impact is that it can impact maybe how quickly you get on the field at some places. So here's what I look for from, from route running. Number one, I look for the traits above. I look for the athletics traits that I talked about. Speed, uh, explosiveness, foot quickness, agility, balance, fluidity, hip fluidity, those type of things specifically how it manifests. How does it manifest in your stance and start? How, how athletically, how is your stance and start? And then technically, how is your stance and start? Do you understand proper stem? A stem essentially is how you attack a defensive back. So how I always taught receiver play is you want to attack the leverage of the defender and you want to press for his outside shoulder. So it, it, the, what that does is so if, if a corner's playing outside of me and I just run vertically, He's playing outside of me for a reason. He's defending a part of the zone that he doesn't want me to go to. So I would teach my receivers to attack that leverage. So if he's outside, I'm going to attack him outside. I taught pushing for the outside shoulder because what I had found and what you know I'd learned from some, some of the top receiver coaches, I learned this from guys at Bowling Green when Urban Meyer's staff was there. This is something I learned when listening and learning from Curtis Johnson, who I think is the best wide receiver coach in the business. He was in Miami back in the Santana Moss Reggie Wayne days. He's now the wide receivers coach for the New Orleans Saints. But he, to me, it's it's 
if you attack that outside shoulder, you're threatening him more and you're, there's a more likelihood that you're going to be able to manipulate him. If a guy's playing inside of you and you attack that outside shoulder, there's a good chance you can get him to freeze. And then you're threatening the zone he's coming to. Cause when a corner is defending a certain part of the field and you threaten him on that part of the field, then he's going to, he's going to overcompensate or react to that. And if he doesn't, then you're going to beat him. So those, do you understand that? Do you understand leverage? And again, you don't have to do that to be a, eventually become a good route runner. But if I, if you do, then you're a guy that I project as someone who could probably play early. It'll affect your grade and ranking more than it'll affect my overall thought of you as a prospect. Quickness out of breaks. This is where hips and balance and, and foot agility and those type of things, flexibility come into play. Some guys are really choppy out of breaks because they don't have, they have tight hips. I look for one of the things I taught from receivers is your your hips are your brakes, not your feet. And when you see receivers that are kind of get real choppy and their arms get out wide, that's because they're trying to use their feet to stop. And really, it's your hips. You talk about driving your hips into the ground. That's how you eliminate some of the extra choppiness for a route runner. So I look for that from a technical standpoint. But then also you factor in the athletic part. Do you have tight hips? Are you a player that doesn't have a lot of flexibility in your ankles? If you have tight ankles and you have tight hips, you're going to be real choppy as a route runner, and that's going to inf- that's going to impact your projection to the next level, no matter how big and strong you are. So those are things that I look for: angles out of breaks. Does a player understand? Take does he understand when to go high, when to break a route off? Does he understand if you're going to bend a, a speed cut? Look, a speed cut is a one cut. It's naturally going to be rounded, but does he understand the need to work back downhill? Those are things I look for. Acceleration out of breaks. Some guys, it takes a few steps out of a break to be fast. Some guys aren't really fast players, but they make that break and they're gone and they are able to get out of their break fast. So, you know, I want a guy that's a four five all the time as opposed to a guy that's four three sometimes and four six at other times. Then I look at uh, separation just th- from a physical standpoint and then from a technical standpoint so if a player gets good separation does that project to the next level if he doesn't get good separation what are the reasons for it is it an athletic problem is it a is it a technical problem are there things that can be approved upon that allow him to be that or is he a guy that's just not going to get good separation and then you have to ask yourself does he have other traits that can overcome his lack of getting good separation uh, finding soft spots in the zones things like that ball skills are the next thing that I look for the catch radius is important I want a guy with really long arms. Even if he's 5'10", if you give me a receiver that's 5'10 with really long arms, I'm going to like him as a quarterback. And, of course, if you're 6'2 plus and you have really long arms, then that's the ideal. Hands, and that's just overall, does he have strong hands? Does he fight the ball? Is he a natural pass catcher? Does he catch a lot with his body or away from his body? Uh, Hand speed, you know, when he attacks the ball, does he kind of stick it out there? Does he snap the ball out there? Uh, snap his hands out there. Timing is a pass catcher. That's important. You know, I want receivers that understand it to be able to, to kind of the ball's coming. I'm going to get my hands out quickly and catch it. Timing is a leaper is important. As to me, timing as a leaper is even more important than how quickly you get up there. Timing refers to do you know how to time your jump? But then also, can you do it quickly? Or do you need are you someone that needs to kind of gather and jump like a long a, a, a high jumper? That's not what I want as a receiver. I want a guy that can get off the ground right now with perfect timing and snatch the ball out of the air, as opposed to a guy that can jump 42 inches at a combine but doesn't know how to use that on the football field. Focus in traffic. You know, are you a guy that's going to be bothered by people around you? I don't care if you can do it at a seven-on-seven. I care about can you do it on film when people can hit you. 
toughness is part of that too. And then tracking the deep ball. I want to see a guy accelerate through the look back. So a lot of receivers, when they're running a route and they look back for the ball, they slow down. I want a guy that, that when he looks back, either maintains or, or you know, maintains that speed. And that, the way I taught it was I taught, taught my receivers to accelerate through the look back. They never did. But if you get that in their head, then when they look back, they're going to maintain that speed. And that's how you can keep separation on, on deep balls. And then can you track the deep ball? Some guys kind of slow down. They can't really play to the ball. That's one area where I thought Will Fuller was exceptional, is he could not only was he fast, but he tracked the deep ball extremely well. And then intangibles like production, positional flexibility. Are you just a W or are you a W, X, and Z? Are you just a Z and an X? Uh, can you play defense? Can you play running back? Those are all things that are going to factor into my analysis and ranking of a prospect. Uh, injury history, effort, and clutch play. Are you someone that plays your best in big games? And that's one of the things I loved about Javon McKinley in high school. So when I evaluate a wide receiver, and when you want to know why I like a wide receiver, he's most likely going to grade out in a lot of those categories. And those are the things that I look for in a wideout. So let's dive into the Notre Dame board. And we're going to begin with, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation that Notre Dame is in right now because we talked earlier, I, I feel Notre Dame is in a situation where they need to find, they've got to find some guys that can play you know, that that to me can play the slot, that can be X guys, that can be shifty after the catch kind of players. They need that in this class. And right now, when you look at the board, it's it's essentially Jay, it's essentially Xavion Bradshaw or Bust. As and I'm gonna pull up here, just here's here's who we're gonna talk about tonight. And here's basically who I believe are the realistic op, 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 realistic opportunities for Notre Dame, some more so than others. So this is the board right now. Xavion Bradshaw is by himself because he's the one slot type XZ type of recruit on the board, which makes him extremely important to this class. Other guys we're going to talk about, and this is this is for the most part my grade. I would, if it's going to be pure grade, I'd flip Nicholas Anderson and Taylor Groves. But this Taylor, as a pure wide receiver, Taylor Groves graded out higher for me overall because I think Taylor Groves is actually a better safety than he is a receiver that positional flexibility is going to impact my ranking for him overall as a prospect. As a pure wide receiver, however, I think Nicholas Anderson is the better pure wide receiver. So these are the six sort of outside receivers that we're going to evaluate uh, today and that we're going to, we're going to, whose film we're going to dive into tonight. So, and we're going to begin with Xavion Bradshaw and you all know how high I am on Xavion Bradshaw. Uh, we're going to watch his sophomore film. There's not a lot of junior film out there for him. Uh, so we're going to evaluate his sophomore film. And the first thing you're going to see about him is he's a young man that that has absolutely excellent after-the-catch ability. There are things he does on a football field that nobody else on this list can do. He's from uh, Bluefield, uh, Virginia, which is way out the West Virginia border. I love that open field speed. Um, he is a kid that is, is like I said, out in the sticks. There's not a lot we know about him, but you're, you're going to see quickly the things that the, the reason why I'm so high on Xavier Bradshaw. Number one, I think he has good speed, like very good speed. I don't know if he's a, you know, a true burner burner, but he's got good speed. He's got good initial speed. He's got good long speed. He's got good speed with the ball in his hands. Like he plays fast in everything that he does. You see him getting the corner here on this particular play. But he, the thing about that I like about him is he is the most dynamic receiver with the ball in his hands. And, and not only is he the most dynamic receiver with the ball in his hands and the board right now, 
But in my opinion, he'd probably be the most dynamic player with the ball in his hands that Notre Dame has signed in, in quite some time. Uh, as much as I like Xavier Watts, I think Xavier's a better was a better all around receiver than than Xavion. But Xavion is more dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's more dynamic than Lorenzo Styles with the ball in his hands. And you're going to see him in the return game. He is a very very talented player. Tommy, you this is the first guy we're, we've got into, so you haven't missed much so far. We just did what I'm looking for at receiver, and then what I'm looking you know the Xavion Bradshaw. But you can see it here. I mean, this is a kid that is just special to bowl in his hands. The player that I've compared him to, if you're someone who likes comparisons, and I don't, I don't necessarily love comparisons, but I know a lot of people ask for him. So if you if you want one, he reminds me a lot of Peter Warwick from Florida State, if you remember. Now, Peter Warwick was not also not a burner burner. He was not a Will Fuller type of speed guy. He was just extremely quick, extremely elusive and extremely dynamic with the ball in his hands. But I also think that Xavion really catches the ball well. And you're going to see an example here. Look how well he tracks the deep ball. He does that very well. You're going to see several catches on this film of him catching the ball, tracking the deep ball. He accelerates well through the look back. He's a kid that understands route running. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. Yeah, this is a thing where watch him when he comes off the line. So he initially comes off. He has to the, he, he attacks out, outside. That defender overreacts. You see that. So then Xavion rips back inside, which is perfect. That's how I want it, right? But what he does is what a lot of young receivers will do is when they get back inside, they stay inside. Well, you can see Xavion do what I taught and what good receiver coaches teach, which is, you know, make your break, but then <clears throat> get back on top of the guy. And you see Xavion do that here. So he's going to make his little move to get on top, but then he widens back out and doesn't allow that reroute to get him off of his track. That allows him to get separation from the safety. It allows the quarter, gives the quarterback an angle to get the ball to him downfield. That tells me this is a kid that knows how to play football. He's not just an athlete. You know, this is a young man that knows what it takes to be a good route runner. That's so important in the slot. It's also something to me that gives Xavion, pardon me, positional flexibility. I don't see him as just a slot. I think he could be a slot and an X. He's listed at six foot. I don't know if he's quite six feet tall. It's hard to tell from this film. He's 5'11", 6 foot. He has pretty good arm length, so he's going to have a decent catch radius, but he's a guy to me that I view and say, this is a kid that can play two, the two field positions. He's a kid that can also bring you a lot of impact in, in the as a route runner, or excuse me, as a return man. Now, this is something that I do not like about Xavion. This is something that, as me as a coach, I would fix from him right away. Watch, his, watch this lean he has at the snap. He does that a lot. <clears throat> that to me is a penalty. He does that a lot. I want to get that out of him. That's something I would work on uh, early on with him if I was his position coach. So that's something he's definitely going to have to work on. That's my one big criticism of Xavion as a football player. Now, I also like the fact that he plays defense. I really like offensive guys that play on both sides of the ball. I think those are guys that, to me, you're going to bring a level of toughness to the position. That's one thing I liked about Chris Tyree. It's one thing I liked about Kyron Williams. It's you know I, I like guys that Xavier Watts could play safety at a place like Notre Dame. I mean, he was that good of a two-way player. I like guys that play on both sides of the ball. And so the last couple of clips, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about his recruiting, his recruitment, and where things are gonna go with him. So and here's another example of his dynamic cutting ability. You see that a bit of plant and quickly accelerate out of his cut. That just again, that's something you look for, not just as a return man, but it's also something you look for as a receiver. Can he accelerate out of his cut? 
that's something that I want to see. Here's a really nice back shoulder catch. Good ball, Trills. He tracks the ball well, like I said. He has good hands. This kid's a really, really special dynamic football player. From a recruiting standpoint, there's just not a lot that we know about Xavion Bradshaw. I mean, he's a kid that doesn't talk to the media. We've had all, we had one interview with him. We learned that he grew up watching a lot of Notre Dame games. A lot of people in his family are are Notre Dame fans, so there's going to be that attraction there. He was at the North Carolina spring game, and that's about all we know about him. As of right now, there's no public official visit set up for the summer. That doesn't mean he doesn't have them set up. It just means nobody knows about it yet. And so that's obviously a little bit concerning as, as we just we don't know a lot about him. Now, from what I've been told in the last month, from my sources is that Notre Dame is pushing for him. He has built a good relationship with Coach Alexander and Coach Reese, and he is a guy that Notre Dame wants. Um, beyond that, there's just not a lot we know about. I love the toughness here to, to break off that tackle and get going. I really, really like that. So, again, this is, a, this is a kid that brings something. He's doing things on the football field, and you're not going to see this stuff the rest of this breakdown. You're just not going to see these guys doing the same things that Xavion is doing. And there's another another kick return from him, finishes it off with an, a nice boom. So that is Xavion Bradshaw. Watch one more clip, and then we're going to move on. That's not a great top end. Doesn't stick it at all. Tracks the ball well, but doesn't stick that top end. That's obviously something that he's going to need to work on. So that is Xavion Bradshaw from the great state of Virginia, where uh, no matter what you say, Tommy Leonard, uh, where the true ballers are from. Uh, but um, he, to me, is a must-get. He's probably the biggest must-get in the class for me because, as I mentioned, there is nobody else in this class like him that's on the board for Notre Dame. If they're serious about developing a more explosive offense, an offense that's geared more towards you know, making plays after the catch and, and being dynamic with the ball and those type of things, this is the kind of kid you get. You just can't build your roster with just 6'3 outside guys. You need players like this. They don't have enough players like this on the roster after this season. Look, guys like Braden Lindsey, Lawrence Keys, they're going to be gone soon. They may be gone by the time this class arrives on campus. To me, Xavion Bradshaw is an absolute must-get for Notre Dame. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good comment, AJ. I appreciate that. Uh, let's get to Tobias Merriweather. Now, this is one of my favorite players in this class. I'm a big Tobias Merriweather fan. This is a kid from the state of Washington, from Union High School in Washington. 6'4", 185, 190 is what he's listed as. He's very skinny right now. 247 Sports ranks him as the number 78 player in the country. That's about where I see him. Uh, ESPN and Rivals rank him 160 and 179. I think he's better than that. I think that's too low for him. I think he is a, a legitimate top 100 player, and, and I think you're going to see why as we dive into this film. The first thing you're going to see to him, and again, for those who like comps, the biggest comp for me, when I watched this kid, the first five plays I watched him, I was like, this is T. Higgins. If you'll remember correctly, T. Higgins ran like a four-five-nine at his pro day at, at Clemson, but that was a kid that was a big play weapon his whole career. And so, to me, this is a kid that reminds me so much of T. He doesn't have he's he might not have great time speed. I don't know what his time speed is. Some people are going to say, "Oh, he's not really that fast because he's got the long strides." But this kid can run, and this kid to me has really when you talk about athleticism and balance and just having the ability to just get off the ground quickly. He's elusive. Even, you know, he's, he's, you don't really see 6'4 guys with that kind of feet. I want to watch that real quick. So this is a really nice 
really nice route here by Tobias on this. You know, leans the guy outside, stems him up, and then bam, quick feet to get back inside. Plants his feet well. That's good technique. And then catches the ball with two guys closing in on him. Absolutely love that. And this is a kid that, you know, he'll make a lot of plays in high school after the catch. I don't think this part of his game translates quite as well to the to the college game. I think he's going to be more of a guy that can do things after the catch on downfield routes. So, like, if he catches a crosser or if he catches a, a drag or a go route, he's going to make plays. These kind of tunnel screens potentially. But he's not going to be juking a lot of guys. He's not going to be playing in the slot and juking a lot of guys. Really nice route there. That's what I'm talking about as far as reacting to the – you know, attacking the leverage, get that guy outside. See how this corner's playing him outside, right? This is what I talked about at the beginning, right? This cornerback's playing outside. You can see his inside foot is on, is kind of stacked up on Tobias. That tells me that he is protecting his inside. He does, or his outside. He does not want to let Tobias go outside. So what Tobias does, he stems the guy outside, which is exactly what I want, and then snaps the guy inside, but then he bends back out. He doesn't stay inside where the safety can help. That tells me he's not just a, a athletic football player, but he's a well-schooled football player, and it also tells me that he's a very smart football player, and those are obviously important things. Really nice, just a quick one-two out of that break. Watch him at this top end. He gets out of this top end really quickly, and you don't see a lot of 6'4 guys as juniors getting out of their top ends that quickly. That's a really impressive route. Catches the ball away from his body. Has toughness. <clears throat> really, really like what Tobias Merriweather brings to the game. Tall, rangy, and he's going to fill out his frame. Look at that right there. This is this is when I talked about, you know, does a guy know how to work the zone? Tobias is showing rec coverage recognition right here. He sees, okay, they're playing cover three. You've got, you just passed one linebacker. You got another linebacker in your sight. So instead of just continuing to run towards that guy, he settles right there in that zone, right in that triangle, gives the quarterback his shoulders, and makes the catch against the zone. Again, another example that tells me that not only is this kid athletic and talented, but he's smart, and he understands the game of football. And that is very, very important. And I think you're seeing why I really, really like this kid. And if you're someone who's obsessed with 40 speed, you may not like him, but if you care about guys being actually really good football players, then you're going to really, really like Tobias Merriweather. Just watch a couple more plays here. They use him a lot all over the field at Union. He's coached well. I mean, he comes from a good program. There's no doubt. I mean, I don't know if it's a good program from wins and losses, but I'm just telling you, I watch this team play, and this this team is well coached. They do a good job preparing him. He's You can definitely tell he's a smart football player. Really, really like what he brings to the table. And you can't teach that size. You can't teach his toughness. He gets up, not affected by the cheap shot, just gets up, first down. And he's going to go about keep playing ball. So this is a really talented football player. And I want to talk about something while we're watching some more Tobias Merriweather film. And it's relative, it's relevant to him. It's also relevant to, to CJ Williams, who we're going to talk about next. And I, and I know people love speed and I get it, but I said a million times, there's more than just one way to be a big play weapon. You know, it's not just about being Will Fuller. There's a lot of different ways to be a big play weapon and to be a really productive football player. You know, and I looked at guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best players in the NFL. He ran a four-five-seven at the scouting combine. Michael Thomas, who from the Saints, who played Ohio State, caught 149 passes in 2019. He ran a four-five-seven at the scouting combine. Cooper Cup, who's had back-to-back uh, -back seasons of over 90 catches, ran a four-six-one. Jarvis Landry has had multiple seasons with at least six seasons with at least 81 catches. 
he ran a four six five at the combine and a four five six one at at the at the uh, LSU pro day. Juju Smith Schuster was a four, a mid to high four five guy. He's been a very dynamic player in in the NFL. So there's a lot of different ways to be a dynamic receiver and a big play receiver than just being fast. And that's the thing I think more of us need to understand when we when we look at what makes a big time receiver is yeah it's nice to have speed. But you got to know how to play the game, and speed isn't the end-all, be-all. And I talked earlier about, about T. Higgins. T. Higgins and Justin Ross were both dynamic big-play weapons for Clemson. Justin did it with speed. T. did it with other things, like being a f- smooth route runner, by being a long strider, by being a kid that knew how to make plays on the ball that was a really good. T. Higgins in college was really good when it came to you know, being able to attack leverage and use stems appropriately, very well-coached wide receiver. Uh, and so he's a guy that I look at and say, you know, that's a kid that to me knows how to play football. And th- that's why I compare him so often. I like to compare Tobias Merriweather to him just because that's a young man that knows how to play the game. From a recruiting standpoint, Tobias, I, I, I think Notre Dame is in a very good position. I've said this before. I think Stanford, USC, Oregon, Washington, Tennessee, UCLA are programs that are in the mix. If I had to make a prediction today, and if, if you told me that, that Tobias is going to commit in a month, and where do I think he's going to go? I'd say I think he's going to go to Notre Dame. The concern I have, however, is that he has mentioned, he's I believe he did an interview with Brandon Hoffman of 247 Sports, where he said his he was going to wait till December, January to make his decision and sign in February. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. I'm just saying from a Notre Dame standpoint, that can get concerning because not only does it mean Stanford, USC, Oregon, Washington, Tennessee, and UCLA, the schools that I think are in the mix right now, uh, not only do I think they're going to be battling this for this long period of time, but there's a chance that programs like Ohio State and Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma could then get in the mix. And if they get in the mix, it could change things because those schools have such a, a strong recent history of producing wide receivers that even exceeds what, what Notre Dame has done a wide receiver. So I think that's the concerning thing for me is why, and I don't put, I don't get too excited yet about Tobias because there's a long way to go between now and then. And that means Notre Dame, Dell Alexander, Brian Kelly, Tom Maurice, they're all going to have to be on this kid for a long time. But right now I do think Notre Dame is in a good position. So they just got to keep whatever they're doing now. They got to keep doing it for the next, what are we in May? Next eight months, seven and a half months, right? They just got to keep doing it. And he's going to be on campus June 11th through the 13th. And that's going to be a very, very important, important period for Notre Dame when it comes to recruiting Tobias Merriweather. So we're going to we're going to watch a little bit of C.J. Williams film here next. So when when we look at C.J. Williams, this film is going to be um, a, a little bit different because there's not huddle doesn't have one junior highlight of him they have several games so we're going to show you some of those games so i'm going to have to obviously minimize it and at different times but cj williams is an, a very intriguing player that brings a lot of different skills to the table you see him blocking right here he's a tough physical kid you're going to see him running a couple routes here this is against servite in anaheim um, a couple things that i like about cj williams number one is i think he's a really tough kid you're going to see that from his blocking but you also see them see it from him as a receiver He's not a burner. You know, I watched him at a track meet the other day, did really well in a four by 400 relay. And I think that's the event you'd ex- I'd expect a guy like him to do well uh, because he is more of a long strider. He's not a, a quick twitch guy. He's not a guy that's a really dynamic speed guy, as you see right there. What I like about CJ is the kid knows how to play football. He's, a, he's an advanced route runner. 
He's a good athlete, even though he's not a dynamic athlete, but he knows how to play the game. That's a really good route there. I mean, he's getting separation against a really good program. That's a really nice route. Bends it off, doesn't take it high, catches the ball clean. He's got very good hands. And for the for the comp people, this is the guy that I compare a lot to Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a little taller than Juju was. I would say he's a little bit of a stronger athlete than Juju was at the same age. I'd say maybe Juju's about a half step, uh, you know, about a half step faster than than CJ is at the same age. Again, as a junior, we're talking about junior film. I'm still curious to see what CJ is going to do as he gets older. But uh, I'd say he is a guy that is a little bit faster. Uh, Juju, Juju was. This is against Orange Lutheran seam route. You know, CJ's CJ's kind of the opposite. I think I might have said long strider a little bit ago. That's not what I meant. Um, he's a short strider. He's not a guy that really opens it up and runs. You can see it here, but I think that that's something that makes him an effective route runner. I think there are some parts of his game that I can that I'd like to improve upon. I see. I, I really like that suddenness right there as a route runner. Guy's got good coverage, and then bam, he's able to get some separation because of how quickly he can sink his hips and get outside. That's really good. Catches the ball in traffic. He's, he catches a lot of contested balls. He played well in big games this year. You know, this is him making plays after the catch where he uses his strength. Uh, and toughness to do some damage. He understands how to how to get open, you know, and that's that's the thing is he doesn't always get tons of separation because I think there are, there are parts of his of his game that he needs to improve upon from a route running standpoint. But he understands how to get open, and that's something I like about. Him. Look, you have to understand too. He's going against really really good competition. But C.J. Williams is not a guy you're going to look at and say he's going to come in and catch 55 balls for 950 yards or 1,000 yards and average close to 20 yards a catch. He's a guy that's going to come in and be more of a volume pass catcher. He's a guy that's going to come in and you know, make a lot of plays and, and maybe average 13, 14 yards per catch is, a, is about it. This is against St. John Bosco in the state championship game. Caught two touchdowns in this game, by the way. Um, the, sh- the highlights are, are, are real quick. But you know, you're going to see right here, not this catch, this is a nice tough route. These are he's playing against D1 caliber guys. Look at that strength right there to get separation. Catches the ball high. This is that freshman quarterback that people were asking about a couple weeks ago. It's a really talented kid. But the thing about CJ that that I really like is he's a guy that's going to be more of that volume pass catcher. He's that guy that's, you know, he may not catch. This is a great, great catch right here. This is a tremendous one-handed catch. And this isn't a big moment, right? Like doesn't have separation. It's going against a 6-1 corner, just great body control, really fluid hips, snaps around and just makes a tremendous, tremendous catch in a championship game against a team that's been a top five national program for years. This is another really good touchdown catch here. Really nice release. Gets a little separation at the end, but watch him track the ball. This is impressive. Once about tracking the deep ball. He sees it, and he doesn't slow down as he works out to the ball. This is not necessarily a great throw. It's not a bad throw. He's putting it out there where only he can get it. But that's really impressive tracking the ball skills right there from C.J. Williams. Really impressed by that. And, again, this is against St. John Bosco. So this is not against some mediocre football program. This is against one of the best of the best. And, you know, when when I project C.J. Williams to the next level, I think he's a kid that can play in the boundary. I think he's a kid that can play X. He can play to the field. I think he's a young man that is, as I said, he's not going to be a 20 yards per catch kind of guy. He's going to be a guy that doesn't go three for 100 like a Xavion Bradshaw can, like a maybe Lorenzo Styles can. He's going to go eight for 100. 
And he's that kind of guy that's going to be a, a, a weapon on third down. He's going to be a weapon in the red zone. He's going to be a guy that uh, is just you have to you have to account for him in a lot of different ways, which then makes the the Xavion Bradshaw's even more effective. If there's a way for Notre Dame, and so before we move on to the next group, if there was a way for Notre Dame to get Xavion Bradshaw, Tobias Merriweather, and C.J. Williams into this class. Grand Slam home run. Absolutely would love that class. I could see C.J. as the X or the W. I could see Tobias playing the opposite of that, X or W, because I think he brings some his route running ability and Tobias's ability to kind of work in space and work after the catch could fit into the, to the X position as well. No question. The same way that Chase Claypool fit into that position in, in, 2000 and, uh, in 2018 when Miles Boykin was the boundary guy. He brings some of that Chase Claypool flexibility. I think, I think Tobias could play in the slot in certain situations as we saw from him in his high school film. So I love his positional flexibility. To me, CJ brings a lot of that as well. Now, you're going to use him differently in the slot than you're going to use Xavier Bradshaw, but there's some things you can do with him from a blocking standpoint, from a working the zones and matching up against linebackers and safety standpoint. But he's an outside guy first and foremost for me. But I think he's a guy that that is going to just come in. It could be that volume pass catcher. And then Tobias can provide you with some big play pass ability. And then, of course, Xavion would be sort of that after-the-catch guy. And then that gives you time to develop a Morin Walker, if you're Notre Dame, who is the one receiver that is committed in the class. So to me, that would be the dream scenario if I'm Notre Dame, is to get those three kids in the class. They're my three highest-ranked receivers on the board overall. They're, they're three guys that, to me, fit perfectly together. I think CJ and Tobias bring a very unique, distinct skill set. And then, of course, Xavion is completely different than both of them. So if you tell me that Notre Dame's going to get those three guys to go with the Morin Walker, then I will won't criticize this coaching staff when it comes to recruiting receivers at all. And it's going to tell me a lot about Tommy Reese, and it's going to tell me that Dell Alexander kind of got his head on straight is now doing what he needs to do on a recruiting trail because that to me – and we're going to talk about other kids because, you know, I don't know if I'm able to get that dream class. And so there's some other guys we're going to have to look at. But to me, uh, you know, that's where that's where I need – that's where I want to see it. That's That that would be the ideal class for me. So next let's get into Darius Clemens from Oregon. Um, oh, recruiting-wise for C.J. Williams. Again, I like where Notre Dame is at. He's a kid that's looking at Alabama, Texas, and Ohio State are the other three schools. He was supposed to visit Ohio State and Texas this summer. But some track issues have caused him to push those visits off. He is now talking about taking those visits in the fall at this point in time, which is a little concerning for me because it kind of pushes his recruitment down. I was I was kind of wanting him to be one be in decision making mode after he visits Notre Dame uh, on June twenty fifth to twenty seventh. So I like where Notre Dame is at. I'm not, you know, I've had people tell me that that some others are reporting that Notre Dame is the clear leader. I, I don't think Notre Dame is the clear leader. I think Notre Dame's in a good position, but they've got to close because Texas and Ohio State and Alabama are are clearly challenges when it comes to a kid like that. And let's be honest, Notre Dame has not had great success getting modern day kids in 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 the in recent seasons. And I like to see that change. And I think a kid like him could could be part of that. I think CJ is the kind of kid that if he can come to Notre Dame and be successful, maybe that starts making future modern day players a little bit more open to the idea of coming to Notre Dame. That would be, that would be another big benefit of getting CJ Williams and why I think he's also a guy that Notre Dame should push for. 
So let's talk about Darius Clemens from Oregon. Darius is a kid that his junior film, this is not him playing football in Oregon. This is him playing football in Utah. And I, I, he, so Oregon didn't have fall football. And instead of just taking a year off, Darius wanted to play. So he went and found a high school in Utah to play football at, which I absolutely, absolutely love. Uh, so let's watch him. Now, he is a recruit, being honest. We interviewed him a while ago. He says he likes Notre Dame. He's still talking to Notre Dame. He's interested in Notre Dame. But he also said he's going to visit Auburn, USC, Penn State, Michigan is what he told us. And he's not sure if he's going to visit Notre Dame. He said, I'm not sure if I'm going to take an official there because I've been there so many times. That, to me, was a big red flag when it comes to his interest in Notre Dame. I don't care how many times you've been to Notre Dame. If they're a legitimate player for you, you're going to want to make an official visit there. I mean, because official visits and unofficial visits are two completely different things. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on Darius Clemens because, I, again, I, I think he's probably the least likely player on this board when it comes to Notre Dame landing. But he is on the board, and he's a very talented player, so we're going to talk just briefly about him. First thing that, that I like about Darius Clemens is he's a big kid. He's a vertical player. He catches the ball extremely well. He's got a great frame. He's a long strider that really starts to pick up speed as he gets moving. He's he reminds me a little bit of Miles Boykin in that regards. If you remember correctly, Miles was not a guy that really exploded off the line. You know, he was the guy that built up speed and Darius reminds me a little bit of that, although I'd say Darius is a more smooth, fluid athlete than Miles was when he was in high school. Not a burner, but a kid that can make big plays. I really like his ability uh, to to get down the field. His ball skills are outstanding. His focus on the ball is impressive. Catches with his hands, tracks the deep ball wells you just saw in that place. Very long-limbed kid. And so that's obviously something that that I like as well. He He's a kid that, to me, has gives a quarterback a really good catch radius. A, a guy that – and catch radius is important. The reason I bring that up is because the smaller your catch radius, the, the more accurate that a quarterback has to be. If a guy's got a really wide catch radius, you can miss by a couple feet and he's got the length to be able to go out there and get it. Now, Darius needs a little bit more work as a route runner, but he has a, a good understanding, a good feel for what he's trying to do. He's listed at like 200 pounds, and he, he doesn't look thick. So he's a guy that I think could, could be kind of a Michael Floyd type of body type when it's all said and done. He's a good football player. Again, we won't spend too much time on him because I, I he's at the bottom of the board when I talk about where Notre Dame is in regards to who they're going to get, he's at the bottom of the board as far as who I think they're going to get. And as you can see, almost everything he does is vertical. So that is Darius Clemens. And and now we're, we're kind of getting into the territory now when it comes to receiver recruiting where I think there's a drop-off after Darius Clemens. And and, and even really there's there's a drop-off from, from Tobias and C.J., to Darius Clemens, and then there's a drop-off from Darius Clemens to the rest of the board. And there's some good players on the board. But to me, the players that we're going to talk about next are guys that Notre Dame should have been looking at to, to, to take the spot that Amorian Walker currently has, that number three receiver in a the class. They're not guys that in an ideal situation or a situation where you say, are you closing the gap on the teams ahead of you? Are you closing the gap on Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama? The rest of the guys on the board, to me, as the number two or potentially even number one, uh, is it's just not going to happen. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm a little hesitant to get too excited because I see some of these guys right now being more likely options than than maybe some of the top players, and that gets me a little bit uh, 
a, a little bit concerned. So let's get into next Nicholas Anderson from Katy, Texas. Nicholas Anderson has one of the the weirdest ranking profiles that I've seen. And and here's what I mean. Rivals has him as a 5.5 star receiver. 3 star. 5.5 means if he drops down a point to 5.4, he becomes a 2 star. I think that's way too low for him. Uh, 247 Sports has him as a, a, a middle of the road 3 star player as well. And ESPN has him as the number 61 player in the entire country. So there's this huge gap in how people perceive Nicholas Anderson. I don't think he's, I think he's to me a lot. I think he's a, you know, if if I were to use the rivals rankings, I'd probably have him as a a three star 5.7 guy or like a low four star guy. So he's a three and a half star for me. That's kind of that low four star, good player, but not a top 250 guy, more of a top 300 to 350 guy in most classes. And he's a good football player, but he's just not, to me, he's not a guy that you look at and say, hey, you're closing the gap on these programs because you have Nicholas Anderson. So let's dive into the, some film. And I think what you're going to see here from Nicholas is a, is a long kid, you know, 6'3", skinny. He's smooth. He's fluid. But what I like about him, and you can see it right off the top, is, is he knows how to play football. You know, he's a guy that uh, he's a good route runner. He tracks the ball well. I just the thing about him is that he's just not a real dynamic athlete, and he's not as dynamic at some of these things. Like his game is very similar to Tobias Merriweather, but I think Tobias is bigger, and I think Tobias is more dynamic. But Nicholas Anderson's a, a quality football player, and and if 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 Amorian Walker wasn't in the class, and Notre Dame wanted to take Nicholas Anderson, I'd have no problem with that. I think he's a good football player, but to me, when I look at him, I say. He's a lot like the guys that Notre Dame has had in the past where you say, well, this isn't the kind of guy that you're beating those teams with. And that's the kind of guy Notre Dame supposedly keeps getting. And that's what I see from Nicholas Anderson. This is a really nice route. This is what I talk about how smooth he is, right? And just look how effortlessly, very little wasted motion getting to that in cut. Doesn't have to really break himself. This is a, this is a speed in cut, not a level, but he levels off, finds the ball. Really smooth, fluid athlete. Good catch radius. I really like his catch radius. You can see how long his arms are right there. So you can see it right there at the snap. He's got really long arms. He's He knows how to catch the ball. Gives his quarterback a real nice catch radius. Tracks the deep ball. This is what I talk about. Just watch. He doesn't. There's no slowing down when he turns back to the ball. I really like that about him. Accelerates through the lookbacks. He's got really good field awareness. He can stay in bounds on it. This is a this is a good football player. I just don't think he's a guy that is is taking you to the next level type of football player. And I think the, the fact that I don't you know offer lists don't mean everything to me, but but I think there's a reason that a lot of the bigger schools have are not going after him because I just I don't see a dynamic type of guy. But as you see there, it's a good route. It's a really nice pivot route. This kid knows how to play football. Good size. And see there, you just you don't see a lot of bursts there. Like I love on this particular play, I love the catch. I love the concentration and focus, right? The field awareness. But there's just there's no burst here, right? There's no burst there. So out of that double move, there's just not that burst and acceleration that, that okay, so like that's a great play, but is that going to work against Bama? Is that going to work against Clemson? I just, 
you know, I don't, I don't see that. This right here is a really good route from him. This is a kid that's a smart football player. It's a really nice route. Gets inside, gets vertical. Now, this is the thing I like too: is he has to work inside, but he leans back out so he can keep that separation before he works back inside. I, I really like that. Again, this is a good football player. Just not a guy that, to me, I view as a dynamic player. Catches the ball well. Good catch radius. There's a lot of things you're going to like. And I know some people like him a lot more than I have. We've had some conversations here. There's some other people in this, this chat, I believe, that like Nicholas more than I do. And I, I get it. He's a good football player. I can't help but thinking I'm watching Nebraska film, though, with those uniforms. They just look a lot like Nebraska film. White shirts, white helmets, red pants. It's a nice play right there. Now, I'm curious to see what Nicholas does as a, as a senior. I've seen some workout videos from him where he shows me a little bit more quickness than I see on film. But even then, I, I just I don't see dynamic player. But he's definitely a guy that I would, if I was Notre Dame, I'd want to get him on campus this summer. I would love to see him work out, actually. I'd really want to see his speed and, and, and such up close and personal. He's a quality football player. Now, when it comes to recruiting, Nicholas is going to be at Notre Dame on June 18th to 20th. I think that I'm I'm curious to see how that visit goes. He's got some other visits set up. He's been to, he went to Missouri for a spring game. He We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He is going to USC June 11th to 13th. He's going to Oregon June 25th to 27th, and he's also talked about visiting California uh, and, and Arkansas or other schools I've, I've seen him say he's going to visit. He was recently offered by Texas A&M, so I'm curious to see how that – if that might shake up his recruitment at all. Obviously, being from Texas, I'm curious to see if the Aggies can can shake things up a little bit with him. But like I said, this is a good, this is a good quality football player. And then we're going to move on. But I just, you know, I don't see top 100 player right here. I don't see top 200 player right here. I see a really quality football player that if he's your number three receiver, you feel pretty good about where you are. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So that's Nicholas Anderson. And again, like I said, this is where you start to see a little bit of a, of a drop-off. Now, the next player I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down 
The next player we're going to break down is Taylor Groves from Tennessee. And Taylor Groves is a very intriguing player because right now I see a kid that is a is is one of the few legitimate two-way players that, that's on the board for Notre Dame. And when I mean legitimate two-way players, I, I mean Chris Tyree and Jordan Johnson both played defense in high school. And they're both pretty good high school defensive backs. Xavier Watts was a, a, a great defensive back in high school that – to me, if if Notre Dame went to Xavier Watson or if Xavier Watts went to Notre Dame and said, Hey, I want to move to safety, I would, I would, I would be a little disappointed because I really like, I think that they need his unique skill set of receiver. They don't have a lot of after the catch guys. I would, I would be hesitant to do it as a coach, but I'd love it if I was a defensive coach because I think the kid can play. I think he's tough. I think he's physical. I think he is a guy that can play two ways. Chris Tyree is not a college defensive back. He was just a really good high school defensive back. The next player we're going to talk about is Taylor Groves, and he can is that kind of guy where he, to me, actually, I think he's a better safety than he is a high school or a receiver at the next level. So let's dive into Taylor Groves, who uh, is 247 Sports. He's a consensus four-star, but 247 Sports is the only one that has him in their top 250 or 300. They have him at number 177. Rivals does not have him in their 250, and ESPN does not have him in their top 300. But let's dive in here to Taylor Groves, and you're gonna first thing you're gonna see is a tall, skinny kid. That's a pretty good athlete. He's just not a very explosive athlete. Long and rangy, long strider, very, very good length and ball skills. I mean, he's a very natural athlete, very smooth, fluid athlete, not overly sudden. It makes his because he's so long and lanky and smooth, it makes his athleticism a little bit deceptive, meaning he doesn't necessarily look as as maybe as quick as he actually is. He's a really good football player. I just think he's a little bit too heavy-footed for me to be a really impact wide receiver. I think on defense, I see a lot more suddenness from him when he's coming downhill than I do when I watch him play wide receiver. But he's a tough kid, He's a, and he's just a football player. I mean, you know, we use that expression – no, he's just a football player. And you know what does that really mean? What it means is he's not a guy that you'd expect to be dominant based on any specific trait. You know, he doesn't have he's not 6'3-210. He doesn't have 4'4 four, four speed. He's a he's a good leaper, but not a great leaper. He's got good athleticism, but he's not an elite athlete. But despite all that, he's just really a good football player and a guy that can be really good in a lot of different ways. I love the competitiveness competitiveness of that catch. Goes up and makes that play on a wounded duck of a pass, just outplays two guys for the football. He does a lot of that in high school. He makes a lot of plays, really good closing speed there to get to the ball. So this kid can play. I really like this kid as a football player. And again, even there, not, not great. He's kind of slowing up now, but not great speed, not great athleticism. Just makes a lot of plays. And there's, there's something to that, right? I mean, there's something to a guy that maybe doesn't have the physical traits of other players, but he just makes a lot of plays. I mean, I mean, like right there, it's just kid knows how to make plays. He knows angles. He understands leverage. He gets open. I mean, he's playing street ball right there. And I, and, and, and I love guys that play that. When I say street ball, I, I want that kind of guy. Like once the ball's in your hand, I want the street ball guy, you know? And, and so that's a positive to me. That's, Really nice. He's actually the DB here. So just so you're just so you know, as you can see it there, I really like that instincts. He reads the route well, reads the route well, closes on the ball and just bam, pops that kid. Leads with his shoulder, not his head. Plays with a lot of swagger. 
really like this kid as a football player. Again, just not a dynamic guy. And that's really the only thing keeping him from being higher on my list is he's just not a dynamic athlete. But, you know, just as far as a high school football player, he's one of the best guys on this board. I mean, he makes a ton of plays. He makes as many plays as anybody else on the board. He's really, really impressive. Really, really like this kid. Really good body control right there. Skinny kid. I, I Again, I just – I see a guy that has more of a body and game for DB. I love this closing speed. I mean, to me – and you guys tell me if you – guys and gals tell me if you agree with this or not, but I see this closing speed he shows right here on defense, to me, is better than anything he showed as a wide receiver. Watch this. Bam, just – it flies to the ball, explodes to the ball. I really, really like this kid, especially as a defensive back. And if if I knew that I could take three receivers and him, and he's maybe a a fourth receiver slash safety, I'd be more attracted to possibly taking him in this class. But if he if he views himself as a pure receiver, I don't know if I necessarily want him. The interesting thing, however, is he has expressed to Eric Rudder did it and love that body control right there to be able to catch that ball behind and stay in bounds, two feet in bounds, love it. Oh, really? There, here you go. Look at that closing speed, good angle. Just sniffs the sniffs it out. This kid can play. He actually likes defense more than offenses. Well, I'm trying to remember the direct quote of exactly what he said, but he, you know, he he kind of views himself more as a defensive player than an offensive player, I believe, is what he said in that in that comment to Eric Rutter. And that's kind of what we saw with Cam Hart, and we saw kind of what happened with Cam Hart when when he got to Notre Dame. So that's Taylor Groves. So now you got a chance to see Taylor Groves. So from a recruiting standpoint. He likes Notre Dame. I'm, I'm trying to find out. He had talked a couple times about possibly making a visit to Notre Dame this spring. I don't believe that that visit has happened. I tried to reach out to him today and uh, see if he could confirm that. I'm, I'm actually checking my Twitter account right now to see if he has uh, responded to that yet. He has not responded to that yet. So I don't know specifically if he had if he has made it to Notre Dame. As far as I know, uh, he has not set up a visit to Notre Dame yet. I think he's been to Ole Miss, LSU, and Florida are also after him. So I don't know where Notre Dame necessarily stands with him right now. I think that right now they're a little bit behind some of those SEC programs. If they push for him, I think they'll have a chance. He seems to be a high academic kid. He was committed to Michigan, decommitted from Michigan. So I think you know he's a kid that to keep an eye on is potentially someone that they make a push for if they're able to get him on campus this summer. The last player that we're going to talk about is, to me, one of the more intriguing guys because right now I have an I, I kind of my grade for him is a bit of an incomplete. And the reason I say that is his sophomore film was not overly impressive to me. We're gonna watch some of his junior film now, but he didn't play a lot of games as a junior. So Massachusetts, so there's not a ton of film that available to me that I have access to from his junior season that that really showed me a lot, and that is Joseph Griffith Jr from Massachusetts. And this is this is the most physically impressive kid on the board. And and I mean this right here is an, that's Joseph Griffin Jr., right? This is a big, well-built, strong kid and he plays exactly like he looks in that photo as we're going to show here. Just one that rivals MVP receiver MVP at a a recent Rivals event in New Jersey. So here, when I see when I see Joseph Griffin, I see a kid with the first thing you're going to notice about him, and you saw it at the Rivals camp, is he's got phenomenal hands. I mean, he's got strong hands. He's got clean hands, meaning like he just he doesn't double catch. He tracks the ball extremely well. He is a strong, strong kid. Very strong kid. Very well built. 
And those are the things that impress me about him. Here are the concerns that I have. Number one, those are all great things, but I don't see a guy that's a real, a real top-notch athlete. And somebody just, you know, in one of the comments said, you know, Chase Jr., referring to Chase Claypool. And I get that. But the difference is, is Chase was an elite athlete, not just big. And, and he is committed to Boston College right now. Notre Dame has offered him, and he is interested in Notre Dame. And, the, and so when you look at this kid, he he has good size, but I don't see a real dynamic athlete. I don't see a guy that um, that to me is is someone who has great speed. Somebody says he looks like the kid from from Ole Miss. Uh, you're talking about DK Metcalf again. DK Metcalf was an elite athlete. I, when I see Joseph, I see a big, strong kid, but I don't see great speed. It flu, fluid kind of kid but not a guy that to me is the, a needle mover. We've seen what the Notre Dame offense can look with big receivers in it, but what jo- Joseph doesn't have the, the dynamic speed and athleticism that Chase Claypool brought to the table. He's more of a Miles Boykin to me, but not quite as good as Miles was at the same age. Now, Miles made a big, you know, made a jump as a senior, and I'm more referring to Miles as a senior than when he was a junior. But it, but then again, you know, Miles is a really good player, but Miles wasn't Chase Claypool, and, and to me, there's there's a difference. That little kid looks about three and a half feet tall that he's running away from right there. But look, for me with Joseph, I just got to see more film of him. You know, I'm not completely against him as a recruit for Notre Dame, but I'm also not necessarily on board with him yet because I, I got to see more and what I've seen so far just doesn't blow me away. It's a lot of what we've seen Notre Dame do in the past. That is one of the things that we all have said keeps them from being to that next level, which is just not a, not a game changer, not a big, big play guy. And that's my thing with Joseph Griffin, but you know, good football player, strong kid. And you wonder like, you know, maybe he could kind of, develop into some, you know, sort of a, of a hybrid player, you know, a Tommy Trumbull kind, kind of guy, maybe. Who knows? But there's not really a need for that. So that's Joseph Griffin. And as I said, you know, my concern with him is there's just not a lot of film. A lot of this is just from a few games. They didn't play a lot of football this year. But he's a guy, to me, is, is a – I'd want to see him at camp. I want to see what he does as a as a senior – uh, before I'd I'd make a move on him and say he's a committed kid. Now there's other kids on the board that have offers. Addison Copeland is one from New York. He's not a guy that Notre Dame is really moving on anymore. We're not going to talk about him. He was a guy that I think was just kind of part of a let's get some guys on the board. Once a Maureen Walker committed, he was pretty much, you know, that's not a guy you're going to be to be going for. So that's that's the Notre Dame receiver board. That's where Notre Dame is at right now. As I said. You know, to me, there's a there's a, a a combination of players that can make this a really good receiver class. If Notre Dame gets Xavion Bradshaw, and then gets one of Tobias Merriweather, C.J. Williams, that is a an excellent receiver class. If they get Xavion and one of Darius Clemens, Nick Anderson, Taylor Groves, or Joseph Griffin, that's a good receiver class. But it's it's not a needle moving receiver class outside of Xavion Bradshaw. If they get Walker, Merriweather, and Williams, to me, that's a good receiver class, but you're missing something. You're missing that playmaker, that with-the-ball playmaker, and that's why I say Xavion is so important. I would not complain too much about that three-man class, but again, 
who's your slot? Who's your playmaker? So you're basically saying, okay, we're going to be a two tight end offense with big guys on the outside. And that's what we're rolling with. Well, we've seen that. We've seen that show before, right? We've seen how that movie plays out. And, and, you know, to me, that's just not, that's just not the only way to go. You need a combination of players. And so to me, putting together the perfect receiving core is not just about getting three highly ranked guys. It's about getting three highly, highly talented players that fit well together, that play well together, that say, hey, this guy fits in here. He brings this skill set. This guy fits in over here. He brings this skill set. And those two guys can 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 be interchangeable in some ways. And then this guy over here brings another skill set. And I think that's important to have. And, and without a Xavion Branch on this class, I don't know if Notre Dame has that. And that would be the thing that that really makes it difficult for me to say this is this is going to be a great class without Xavion Bradshaw. Could be really good, but I don't know if it's a great receiver class without him. So he to me is the key. If they're able to get Xavion and one of Tobias and CJ, that is really good. If they're able to somehow say Xavion, Tobias, and CJ with the Morin Walker. Whew, that is that is the ideal receiver scenario. I mean, those are to me plan A, top of the board, top hundred plus. I grade all three of those guys out as top hundred recruits. If if Dell Alexander and Tommy Reese can go out and get those three players again, that's Xavier Bradshaw, Tobias Merriweather, and CJ Williams. Big thumbs up. I mean, they'll get tons of praise from me. I'll write multiple articles singing their praises as recruiters and and their understanding of how to put a, a receiving core to class. So those that's what I look for. Those are the players that I like. Let's dive into some questions. I, we already have some built up, but if you have questions, please feel free to hit me up if you want to leave a super chat to support the channel. We always appreciate those. But let's, uh, let, you know, Brandon, Brandon says this is definitely the most intriguing position of the 22 class. I agree. Uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Christopher says, I like the new IB hat. I do too. It's a fitted hat. All right. So this is one of the new ones that is in the store that I'm hoping to have launched very, very soon. It's very, very, very close to being done. Uh, Larry says, thanks for the show. Appreciate you being part of the show, Larry. Jordan says, Bradshaw, Meriwether and CJ Williams. Let's go. Uh, Mike Singer from Rivals said, Notre Dame can take four receivers. That's fine. I mean, he can say that, but right now they're not going to be able to do that with what they're recruiting at other positions. We broke this down the other day. If you didn't watch it, go watch the the, the live stream that we did the other day. You can't just say we're taking four receivers because that means you got to take somebody else. It means you can't take an extra lineman. You can't take a second running back. You can't take a fifth defensive back. You can't take a fourth defensive end. Somebody's got to go. And and it's you just can't as easily say, yep, you take four. I hope they can get to four, but that's going to require something different to happen from where things stand right now. We broke down the numbers the other day. Check out that article at irishbreakdown.com or check out the podcast. So I think something has to happen, in my opinion, for them to be able to take a fourth receiver. I hope that they can get there, however, because if they can get that four, then I'm really happy with this class. Brandon asks, is Nick and Nicholas Anderson a take right now, or is the staff willing to wait out the recruitments of Williams and Merriweather before possibly accepting a commitment from Anderson? So here's basically what, what I have been told is they like him. I have not gotten the impression from the people I've talked to that Nicholas is a guy that they're necessarily pushing for. 
That doesn't mean he won't be a take once he visits, but I don't think he could just call up today and say, hey, I want to come, and they'd take him. That's not the impression I've got talking to my sources. That could change when he visits in June because they're going to have a better idea where they are with those other players. But right now, I don't I don't believe that he is a, a take today. Uh, we'll see how that, how that stands. Sid Iris says, Williams, Merriweather, and Bradshaw is what we need. I agree completely. Uh, ag- agree absolutely completely with that. And there's a lot of people that are that are agreeing with this that with me that Z- Z- Bradshaw Merriweather and CJ Williams is is the way to go. Absolutely the way to go. John A1 go Irish breakdown. Thank you very much for being on it. Notre Dame 2164 says how many five-star wi- uh, upside wide receivers do you have are, are on the board this year if any? So to me, Xavion Bradshaw is a five-star up, five-star uh, ups, upside guy. I'm going to pull up his uh, his my my profile for him right now. And Tobias Merriweather is the other five-star upside receiver guy. There were some other players on the board that I had as five-star upside guys, but they're no longer on the board. I had Caleb Brown as a five-star upside guy. He is no longer uh, on the board for Notre Dame. Xavier Bradshaw is a five-star upside guy. CJ Williams, to me, is a four-and-a-half-star upside guy. He is a top-50 caliber player, in my opinion. Right now, that is where he is ranked by some. Rivals has him ranked 27. 247 has him ranked 47th. I'm more along the lines of the 247 ranking just because I think he lacks that true game-changer speed, game-changer dynamic ability to be a, a top-25 kind of guy. But he can definitely be that Juju Smith type of really good football player, even if he's not necessarily an elite football player. But Juju Smith-Schuster was a second-round draft pick and a pretty darn good football player at USC. If I'm correct and CJ is a Juju Smith kind of player, he's a heck of a player. But again, I'm pretty picky when it comes to five stars, and I just don't see five-star. But don't don't get me wrong. CJ's really good. And if if he has a jump in, in, in maybe explosiveness in college, then that would change, and he could be that kind of guy. But right now, with where he currently is, I'd need to see him maybe take a little bit more of a of a of an explosiveness jump before I'm there. But you know, again, four and a half star upside is a top fifty player, and I think we all agree that you land a top fifty receiver, you're doing pretty well. Delally says, "Will the younger receivers get more playing time with Coach Reese having more control of the offense?" I I honestly I couldn't tell you. I, I'm hope I'm hopeful. I hope that that happens. We're going to have a receiver show coming up here soon, and, and we'll dive into that even more. But but I hope we see that. I hope that we see Coach Reese use the young receivers more effectively. I hope that we see Coach Reese use a deeper receiving core. Uh, that's what I'm hopeful for, hopeful for. But will it happen? Until we get to the fall, we won't know. And, and we can't really look at the spring because of it because they did play Jordan Johnson a lot, and then he transferred. And, and Xavier Watts didn't play a ton, but from what I was told before the game that Xavier might not play a lot, because he was battling a hamstring injury. So it's hard to really know if they're going to use him. They use Lorenzo Styles a decent amount, but you know, will he use those young guys this year? Will we see Deion Colsey? Will we see Xavier Watts a lot? Will we see a lot of Lorenzo Styles? I think that remains it's a it's an open question right now, and I, I don't have an answer to it. S asks, so two-part question here. Coach is a former wide receiver coach. If you could pick between Chase Chase, Jamar Chase, is that who you're talking about? Uh just make sure you're talking about Jamar Chase, not Chase Claypool. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson to add to Notre Dame's offense this year. Who would it be? Um, and then uh, it says, uh, crazy that LSU Bama 
had uh, seven first round picks of wide receiver, including not including second rounder Terrence Terrace Marshall. Yeah, I agree. Six. If I could have any of those guys for no, for what Notre Dame does, I'd I'd probably go with either Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. The reason I say that is is because again, part of what makes a, a receiver dynamic is is what he does sort of in that offense. And to me, when I look at what Notre Dame does, they like to do the vertical stuff. They like to do, you know, guys can stretch the field. They're not necessarily like the elite route runner kind of kind of situation. That's not really where Notre Dame is. And so while Jalen Waddle would 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 probably be the one Bama guy I would look at first, and I'm glad you didn't include Henry Ruggs because I think Henry Ruggs was incredibly overrated. But, you know, Devontae, how well does Devontae really fit in the Notre Dame-specific offense? How well does Jerry Judy fit into that? Whereas Justin Jefferson brings size. And even though Jamar Chase isn't super tall, he's like six one and a half. he plays like a big receiver. And so far from what we've seen at Notre Dame is those big receivers are what thrive. So those that would be the guy that I would – those would be the two guys that I would look at for, for Notre Dame. David Knight asks, Brian, do you mind explaining the difference between quick and fast? A lot of people do not understand the difference. I am not insulting anyone. So fast is essentially it's about it's about long speed. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Wusukormoa was an explosive, dynamic athlete at Notre Dame. He wasn't fast, and if he would have ran a forty, I think people would have been surprised at what his forty time was. It would not have been like a four four or four five. So. Speed to me, when I talk about speed and or, and being fast, I'm referring to like long speed. Now, depending on how you define fast, it could be the same thing as quick. And that's when you talk about the difference between athleticism versus how you play. You can play fast because you're quick, but you don't, you don't, you don't have speed. Does that make sense? So you don't have that long speed. So that's what I say about Jeremiah Usukoromoa. He is quick, which allows him to play fast. But if we're simply talking about speed equals fast equals speed that has more to do with pure range and pure like long speed quick is more about suddenness you know like reggie bush for example reggie didn't run like blazing 40 times coming out of college either but everything he did he did at full speed he was able to cut and change direction extremely well quickness to me is about being able to two, do two things at an elite level it's about being able to redirect so plant and cut like change direction or to be able to plant and drive. And then also, I guess the third thing is be, to be able to, if you're a 4-5 guy, can you be 4-5 immediately? That's quickness. Dexter Williams, to me, you know, you've heard that expression, you know, he's, he's more quick than fast. Josh Adams ran a 4-4-8 at his pro day. Dexter Williams ran a 4-5-8. Josh Adams was a home run guy. If he got in, the, in space, he was gone. Dexter, we saw, get caught a couple times because of – he just didn't have that huge, huge, great long speed, although he did have a 97-yard touchdown run against Virginia Tech. But what made Dexter so dynamic and why he averaged such a high yard per carry in his career was he was a 4-5-8 from the, from the snap. I mean, he was downhill in a hurry, where Josh Adams was more of a guy that needed to kind of get going before he hit that, that home run speed. So that's the difference to me. And I hope I explained that correctly or effectively, I should say. I, I, I know I said it correctly, but maybe not effectively. If that, if that doesn't make sense to anyone, please feel free to ask, and I will, I will, I will bring it up. Delali says, what benefits can you get from putting a big receiver in the slot versus the outside? Okay, that's a good one. So it, part of this depends on the offense you want, right? But 
here's a couple things you can do. So, you know, let's say you have an outside receiver like a Will Fuller, or you have an outside receiver like, uh, you know, you want to use Avery Davis outside and you have a bigger guy inside, whether it be a slot receiver or a tight end. There's things you can do in the screen game that are effective. We saw Chase Claypool play a lot of slot in 2017. They did a lot of things where they would throw quick game outside and Chase would be like sort of the lead blocker. You kind of stack them outside a little bit. Uh, there's benefits in the run game. So you're getting a bigger athlete, sort of like a, you know, think of Chase Claypool, you think of, uh, you know, Javon McKinley type of body type, or even Tommy Tremble, get him in the slot. Now you're matched up. You're trying to throw perimeter screens or with your perimeter runs, you now have a bigger body that can kind of really win at that point of attack. Cause a lot of times what can blow up a, a perimeter run or a perimeter screen is that alley defender coming in and blowing it up. If you have a bigger body in the slot, that alley defender now has to take on a bigger player and you can stone him because what will happen a lot of times is, you you know, you I know coaches that teach us, they take their rover, their outside linebacker that's in the box and say, hey, if they're running a bubble screen, you take the number two. So if they're running out of, out of a three receiver look or a two receiver look with a swing to the back, you take that slot guy and you just blow him up and drive him into the ball carrier. Well, that's a little harder to do to Chase Claypool than it is to Devontae Smith, right? So I think those are some benefits. And then pass game-wise, you get a guy that's a bigger body player. So if you're playing a team that runs a lot of zone, you got a guy that can kind of work the middle of the field effectively, almost as like you see from a tight end. You see a guy that can give you some isolation, downfield isolation type of route. So, you know, a, a guy that can, you know, you can really throw it high and that, you know, that back shoulder up the seam. You can be more effective there to try to, you know, you've got that zone between the linebacker and the safety, right? If you got a 5'11 guy in that zone, it's a smaller target window. And if you miss by three or four inches, that's the difference between that ball getting caught and sailing and get picked off by the safety. Well, that same throw going to Chase Claypool is getting caught. So you give you give some, some advantage there to the intermediate stuff. You can bang some corner routes where maybe if you don't get separation against a really dynamic safety, you can throw it up high and allow the bigger receiver to get it. Notre Dame did a really nice job with Chase Claypool in 2017 with Brandon Wimbush of doing a lot of drag routes, a lot of deep in cuts, things like that. You know, go watch the Wake Forest game and you'll see. A, a, if you want to know a great a, an example of it, go watch the 2017 Wake Forest game and watch how Notre Dame used Chase Claypool effectively in that in that situation. So it's not something I would do all the time, to be honest with you, but I do think there are times when it can give you advantages and it definitely gives teams something to think about. So, you know, let's say, you know, let's say Notre Dame comes out this year and their starting lineman is Braden Lindsay at and at outside or Lawrence Keys outside, and you've got Avery Davis in the slot and Kevin Austin backside. That's a, a good alignment. But if they came out the next series and they had Kevin Austin at X, Deion Colsey at at W, and Joe Wilkins in the slot, or Kevin Austin in the slot and Joe Wilkins outside, and they had that bigger alignment. You, you could that could be successful too with certain things, and that's why I like really mixing up personnel. I I think there's just some advantages to having those guys in the slot, not just run game, but also in the pass game. So I think hopefully that answers your question. Griff says Tobias seems like a very high upside guy, but also looks like he could be an early impact guy. Although we all know how that goes at Notre Dame. I I agree with the first two parts. I'm I don't want to you know take too many shots at the staff because people get all upset about it. But, uh, you know, to me, he's a guy that to me is almost – he'd be hard not to play because he's – number one, he's really talented. But to your point, Griff, the reason I think Tobias could be an early early to play guy, even at a place like Notre Dame that doesn't normally play young guys, 
is he's really advanced technically. He's a smart football player. He runs a lot of different routes. And this is something you have to look at when you're projecting a guy to can he play right away at a place like Notre Dame. Some guys are just like, when I watch Darius Clemens, Darius Clemens does like three things in film. Now, he does it really well, but he's like go route, post route, like slant, hitch, that kind of stuff. Tobias Merriweather's running double moves. He's running deep ends. He's running like, he's running post corners. He's running, you know, from the slot, doing wide fades. He's doing a lot of different things as a wide receiver. And that makes him a, a player to me that, that, as I said, not just talented, but a really high IQ experienced football player doing a lot of different things, which means he'll likely take a step, you know, he, he, he'll, he'll take a step into the offense a little quicker than maybe some guys who are just getting by on their athleticism. Ryan Henke, 109 days till kickoff. I, I hope that you're correct. I'm getting very, very excited about the season. I, I, and I said this to somebody earlier, you know, the last couple of weeks, especially, I'm just starting to get real fired up. And I normally don't get fired up about the season this early. This early, I'm kind of like, ah, it's still several months away. But I'm getting really excited about the season. I think this team, this team's just getting, it's, it's exciting me a little bit. Okay. I, technical technician, I'm not going to play that comment that you left. I appreciate that, though. You need to hit me up on Twitter. I have a question that I need to ask you, by the way. Um, technical technician also says Bradshaw is a much more explosive theoretic. That's a great thing. And I would say also not only explosive, but also taller. He looks taller than Theo. And I, and I think there's a need for that type of after the catch guy in this offense. And that's why I say, if, if you don't get that, then I have, a, I have a little bit of a concern there. As we were watching the Xavion Bradshaw comment, AJ said, bobbled the punt return. Don't do that in front of BK or Matt Salerno will take your place. That is funny and true. Let's see here. Uh, Ian Moran says, you see any other offers will go out of the wide receiver position? I could see a couple going out. I think especially if they're able to identify – some maybe it's some camps this summer, whether it be a Notre Dame camp, whether it be one of the Under Armour camps, or because a lot of times those those places will send teams. You can actually get the film uh, from from them for these things. So like there may be some kids that are like the slot players that they see from camps this summer. They may get some new film and, and evaluate some guys. So I, I could see those types of players getting some offers, especially if they don't feel they're going to get Xavier Bradshaw. But I think outside receivers that's just focus on the guys that you have on the board right now you got some good players at the top and and i don't know if there's anybody you're going to offer that's going to be better than tobias or cj so focus on those guys but if you don't think you're going to get Xavier on bradshaw then then you need to find some some slot players that you can that you can go after david knight talking about de- uh, uh technical technicians about theoretic theo was uber talented i saw him rip off three tds against the colts he was missing he was just missing that last gear, regardless of fantastic player. Yeah, and and that's yeah, David. That was the one thing Theo did not have. He just did not have that that home run second gear, and that's really the thing that that kept him kept him down, in my opinion. Jonathan says in response to Ian's question, I think after the June visits and the staff knows where they sit with their top guys, potentially. But I I would say if they are offering guys, Jonathan, and I think you're 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 right in in theory that that could happen, but. That would concern me because if you're offered a bunch of guys after June visits, it tells me you don't think you're in good position with those other with those other players, and that would be that would be a, a concern for me, very concerning for me. Let's see if we have any more questions here. 
Another great show. Love the film breakdown. Jordan, appreciate you being part of the show, buddy. Very much so. And I know that you missed, I think you missed today's show. You had to catch up on it late. So I'm glad you were able to get in on this one uh, right on time. Griff says, could you see a scenario where Andy takes four receivers with one of those tier two guys being the number three? I would not. I, I, look, you'd say, okay, that's still, you know, you're talking like Nicholas Anderson, something like that. I, I just wouldn't do that. To me, now all of a sudden you're loading up your depth chart with guys who aren't gap closers. And now you've got two guys like that in this class. And to me, I'm just not doing that. I just, I can't justify that to me. Just take three and have the other two be, you know, like a CJ or a Zavion or a Tobias and Zavion or Tobias and CJ, whatever the case may be. I just can't justify bringing in two receivers in this class that, that aren't players that are going to move the needle on those other programs. I, I just, you know, I, I wouldn't do it. Now, if you could bring in one of those guys and maybe at some point in time, a more in Walker's out of the class, well, then maybe I'd feel better about that. But, uh, you know, with Walker and, and, and like Anderson or Walker and Groves or, you know, guys like that, I just, to me, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't move the needle for me. So Griff says, uh, I'd love to see Taylor Groves roaming the secondary at Notre Dame. I, I agree. He, he would excite me a lot more as a safety prospect than he does as a wide receiver prospect. Let's see if we have any more questions here. Michael Morris agrees. I love Groves as a safety. He's a baller. I agree with you guys very, very much. Yeah, yeah, no, it's called Massachusetts football. And, and let me tell you, it is not good. And so uh, my second year as a coach, I was at Muhlenberg College, and that was one of my fun, my most fun years. But we played in the first round of the playoffs, which was our first playoff appearance in school history. Uh, this is the Division Three National Playoffs. We played the best team from that. There's a league that's like all these Massachusetts teams, like UMass Dartmouth is the team that we played. And they were like, they won like 10 games that year. And we slaughtered them. It was like 56 to six in the national playoffs. I mean, we had running backs as big as their defensive linemen. I mean, they, they, they were small. Now they were quick and athletic, but we were pretty athletic too, but we were way bigger than they were. I mean, we had like, we had like 280, 275, 290 pound offensive linemen and their biggest defensive line was like 230 pounds. I mean, we just, we just physically beat them up. So they are a very, very small. There's not a lot of big dudes coming out of that state. Let's just say that. So, uh, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see there. So let's see here, Blake Sofa. So all y'all, if you do not follow Blake Sofa on, um, on Twitter, please go do so. Blake is someone that I recently hired who's going to help us with recruiting. Uh, he is going to, he's going to have a list of guys. He's not going to necessarily be a full-time guy because he has another job that pays him a lot more than I can play him, but he is at Blake Indy Irish. So Blake is going to be helping us with recruiting. So welcome Blake to the Irish breakdown family. And you're going to start seeing his name popping up in stories here very, very soon. I hope so. Very soon, Blake. So get to work, buddy. Uh, but so welcome him to the deal. Griff says, coaching staff has backed themselves into a corner with only one slot player on the board. I would think the board probably won't be expanded at this point either. We addressed that a little bit earlier. I, I, we'll see. I think I think there are some kids that maybe could camp this summer. Maybe not even just Notre Dame, but at other places where you could see that kind of change. There's some conversation about soy going on in this uh, in this completely soy-free 
let's see here. Technical technician says Coach Driscoll is most definitely soy free old school. Yeah, I've never had soy that I know of in my life. Soy sauce on ja Japanese food, but that's about it. There's no soy milk happening over here, if that's what you guys are talking about. Let's see here. Yeah, you guys are having some very interesting conversations. Uh, Saban James says, I don't get why Notre Dame hasn't offered Jaden Marshall. So uh, I don't know who Jaden Marshall is, but uh, let's watch some film of Jaden Marshall. So is he a, is he a 2022 player? Let's check real quick and see what year he is in. Since we're talking about wide receivers, let's see if he is a 2022 guy. So yes. So Saban James asks, he is a from St. Mary's in Stockton, California. So since we're watching film tonight, let's pop in some film of Jaden Marshall. So let's get going here. Let's see if we can get some film here. we got some film of him against De La Salle, get some junior highlights. So yeah, let's watch this film. Okay. So we're going to watch some film of, of Jaden Marshall and, and we're going to kind of ask ourselves what Saban James is asking us, which is why has Notre Dame not offered him? So let's check him out here real quick. See what he can do. Get through these stupid smoking ads. I don't smoke. I don't know why they keep showing me these ads. I've never smoked in my life. So let's watch this film. Let's check it out, Saban. California kid. Notre Dame's recruiting a lot of California kids in this class so far. Got the old school Rams helmets. Looks small. That would be one thing I kind of see. Listed at six foot 185. Doesn't necessarily look that big to me. Good athlete. Uh, you know, a couple clips in. Decent burst. Not great acceleration. Good ball skills on that particular play. Yeah, same. I mean, again, we're three, four plays in. I think the first thing that, that notices to me is he doesn't pop, right? So, like, when I see a smaller guy, I want to see the guy pop. I want to see him pop on film. You know, I, I when I watched Xavier Bradshaw, I knew after two, three plays that, okay, this kid this kid can play. And and this kid's got some good skills, but I don't see – he's just not popping off to me. You know, and I, I think that these those plays right there were against De La Salle. So, I mean, that, that's pretty impressive. That's good competition. But he just doesn't pop to me yet. I would want to look at him and bring him in, um, you know, maybe bring him into camp. He'd be a guy that we could talk about, like we talked about earlier. Like, you know, what kind of guys would you look at to say, hey, you know, that next level offers? You know, hey, bring him into camp. Check his size out. See if he's as big as he's listed. You know, see what he tests in the 40 times. Kind of like what they did with Jay Brunel and Jay came in and earned an offer. So. You know, some some good skills there. I just he doesn't pop to me, Saban. I just that's the first thing that, that stands out to me is I don't see like great burst. I don't see great speed. I, I, I see I see a good high school football player. I don't know if I see a, a guy that I would look at and say, Oh yeah, that guy, that guy's a Notre Dame player for me. I just don't he just doesn't pop for me like that. So I could be wrong. That's a tough quarterback right there. Good lord. I mean, he threw a pick, terrible throw, but man, he's bouncing off of defenders. I, I dig that. Nice. I like that hip change right there. That showed me a little something. He's playing defense. I like that. I like that toughness. Yeah, see, like, even right there, like, he's a laboring a little bit to keep up with that guy. Does a nice job, but, you know, it's De La Salle, but he just doesn't pop for me, Saban. So, I mean, to me, I I, I wouldn't necessarily be upset with him not offering, but I'd, he'd be a kid. I'd say, hey, let's get him into camp. Let's work him out in person. Let's see, you know, just how well he projects at that point in time. Okay. There's a conversation going on about Steve Angeli. Let's see your Trek reviewer. Okay, you were in the show earlier. Uh, we were talking about 
Nick McLeod making the team, so I appreciate you following up. But you asked me earlier about if the Bills play single high safeties at least when they only have only two safeties in the game, but sometimes they use three safeties at once with one of them being in the box with that usual – usually being uh, Poyer Hyde. Both are those good – both of those two are good in run support and coverage. So, you know, if they're, if they're playing some stuff – Let's see here. Um, continuing that thought, uh, three safeties at once. Okay, yeah, it's a double, double side. So look, if they're playing some too high safety stuff, then yeah, I think there could be a role for Nick McLeod to make that team. Because again, he's, he's a good football player. I just, I don't see a guy that necessarily is going to be playing a lot of man coverage, uh, especially man coverage without without safety help. So that that's going to be, and that was sort of the issue that he had at Notre Dame. You know, he gave up some, you know, more big plays than what we're used to seeing. But smart, competitive, high character. All those things, you know, Nick McLeod checks all those boxes for me. Michael Moore says, I like Bradshaw, but I'm tired of all these 6'4 guys. Give me a 5'10 kid that can run speed kills. Yeah, you know, what's funny is, is you know, Notre Dame's putting all these giants on the football field, and then you watch Alabama, and they're playing with a bunch of short guys, short, you know, smaller guys. I mean, Slade Bolden's like 5'10", Devontae Smith's like barely six foot, Buck 65, John Mechie's six foot. And they're out there dominating. You can be successful in all types of ways, but you need dynamic. You need some dynamic players in the field. You need some guys that the quarterback doesn't always have to be perfect with. That the quarterback doesn't always have to beat you downfield with. You need some guys that you can just get the ball out to and say, "Go do something with it." In today's game, you just need that. Now, sometimes you get the big guys that can do that. LSU had some guys like that, but you know, you're just going to need more dynamic players. Ian Moran says, Judy and Smith fit into any offense. Well, all those guys do. OP was right. That's a better squad than a lot of NFL teams. Yeah, Ian, I just I don't I don't agree with that. I just like when you watch Notre Dame offense, they don't do a lot of things to me that would maximize their talents to the level that they would be able to maximize the other two bigger guys. Again, that doesn't say my comment doesn't say they would suck at Notre Dame. It just means that if you put those two guys in the same offense, in certain offenses, one player is going to be better. And in another offense, another player is going to be better. And in Notre Dame's particular offense, the bigger vertical players have fit better to what they do. That's just the way it's been. Now, I hope that they change that. If they get to the RPOs, they start doing some of the things that I want them to do, then we can have a different conversation. If Tommy Reese continues to take the offense in the direction that I think and hope he's going to take it, then we could have a different conversation and my answer would be different. But where they are right now, this is those are the players that to me fit best. I didn't say they're the only ones that fit or could play at Notre Dame, but they fit the best. And I wasn't given the option of taking all of them. I had to pick which one fit best. And with what Notre Dame has done in the past, the bigger guys, the LSU kids fit better with what Notre Dame does. Kenny Moore says, just once I would like to see Notre Dame get multiple years of great play out of a receiver. It seems like we get one great year and that receiver either graduates or heads in the NFL. Hopefully that changes. Well, part of that is because a lot of times those breakouts happen, Kenny, when guys are older. You know, Miles Boykin was a senior when he had his breakout. You know, Chase Claypool had a, a, a pretty good junior year, but his breakout was a senior. He was out of eligibility. When you don't play guys young, their breakouts are going to kind of happen later. The last time I think Notre Dame's had a receiver that was dynamic for two years in a row was Will Fuller. That's because his breakout year happened as a sophomore, not as a not as a junior. Yeah, and Ian Moran kind of backs up what I'm saying. That goes back to not playing to, to not playing the younger guys at wide receiver. At least we get three from Mayor. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. I agree with you on that. 
I'm hope I'm saying this right, but Latchy says I'm blanking on the recruit who projects so well as a DB, but is there much on how the defensive staff feels about him? I know they're kind of struggling at safety. And if they like him, does he fit in their class? You'd be referring to Taylor Groves. I don't know. I don't know where the staff is right now at safety. And I don't, I don't think they necessarily know. I, I know that right now the Notre Dame coaching staff is recruiting him to play wide receiver. Could that change after the, after they get Jake Pope on campus and, and get KJ Winston on campus and get Xavier Nwankpa on campus and all those other safety recruits that Notre Dame is on and get them on campus. And if they don't feel great about it, but things are going really well with Taylor Groves, but also going well with, you know, CJ and Tobias and Xavion, then maybe you could sit down and have a, a that conversation with Taylor. And I think he'd be open to it, which is to say right now, you know, recruit him. All right. So Joseph Juan, you asked this, you asked this last week. And we're going to watch his film today. So, you know, we're talking about 2022 receivers, but you are in all these shows and you're always asking questions. So I appreciate you being a part of it. And the fact is, is we're going to, we're going to watch some film here. So we're going to watch some film of 2023 receiver Noah Rogers, because Joseph keeps asking about him. And I've heard some good things about this young man. So let's, uh, let's watch some film. Of, I'm going to make sure you guys don't have to watch that stinking commercial again. So I'm going to wait till that's, Till that's gone before I pull this film up. But you know, I watched a little bit of him the other day, and for a sophomore, there's some impressive stuff. So let's add this to the stream. This is Noah Rogers from North Carolina, who Joseph has been asking me about. He does have a Notre Dame offer. And you know, the thing I'm 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 gonna notice is right there. You know, earlier somebody was asking about the kid from California, and I say, you know, you just don't see him pop off the screen. What I notice about Noah Rogers is this kid pops off the screen. He is a kid that, to me, he's quick. He's got burst. He's got really good explosiveness. He's a good route runner for a soft kid. Look at that stop ability right there on that route. That's a really impressive pivot route to be able to just stop on a dime like that and break outside. Just, I mean, just leaves that guy hanging. Just really, really impressive. So, yeah, I watched a little bit of Noah Rogers the other day, uh, Joseph, and and I, I came away very impressed. I don't know why that's showing up. Let's get out of there, but. This kid can play. I don't know where things stand with Notre Dame and, and Noah. I have not been able to do really any digging on 2023 receivers. I'm still worried about the 2022 kids, but this kid popped on film. That's great concentration. So I appreciate you bringing this up again and and bringing it up during a receiver show. So we're going to watch it. There, There's a couple 2023 kids that I've watched that are really, really good. I was trying to remember the name of a kid the other day that, I, that Notre Dame I thought has a decent shot with his last – it's Cottrell. And Jalen Hale's a kid that's expressed interest in Notre Dame, and then obviously Cardinal Tate. But that, but this kid's got excellent, excellent ball ball skills and, and concentration. But this kid pops on film to me. Th this is a kid that you watch and you're like, you don't have to watch very many plays to be like, yeah, this kid's really good. And this kid is <laughs> this kid is really good. So Joseph, I appreciate you bringing that up again, buddy. This is this is a good film. This again, this is a 2023 recruit. So if people are wondering why I did not bring up Noah Rogers during today's podcast. It's because he's not in the class that we're focusing on. But, yeah, this this young man can play. It's a good find, Joseph. I appreciate you bringing this up last couple last couple shows. So he's he's really good. Here's a punt return. Special teams. Love it. Love guys can bring it. Look at this quickness. Got a little stuck in the dirt there. He's got some toughness for a little guy, though. He's a pretty skinny player, but he's got some toughness to him. You saw it earlier when he was catching balls with guys draped on him. You saw it there breaking tackles. It's good for, oh, come on, dude, get out of the way. And this kid plays with some swagger too. And, and, and I know maybe some people my age and 
and older don't like guys that talked a lot of trash, but I talked a lot of trash when I played. I even talked trash when I played baseball. I just, I, that's just how I played. So I don't have a problem with guys that play with swagger and talk trash. And this kid plays with some swagger. I like it. Really nice burst off the line too. He another diving catch, really good ball skill. So Joseph, thank you for bringing that to our attention. And, uh, that kid can play. That kid can play. I want to be sick and uh, recruiting guys on him as soon as as soon as possible. So Blake, if you're still in the show, add him to your list of guys to contact. Omar Austin says if Notre Dame doesn't get the the top three running backs and don't reach a receiver if they don't get Bradshaw, what position would you load up on or just keep the powder powder dry? So you're are you asking if they don't get a the, one of the top three running backs and don't get Bradshaw? Honestly, I just I'd probably I'd probably get Williams and Tobias and call it a day unless I could find another Xavion Bradshaw caliber player. I, I mean, I, I just, they're going to be missing that kind of guy and that's a problem, but I wouldn't reach anywhere. I'd say maybe you use it for an extra lineman, but I wouldn't take four receivers just to take four. I mean, that would be silly. And, and I'm not saying Mike said that. I don't know what Mike said. I'm, I'm making this comment for me is you don't take four, just take four. So, like, you don't take Anderson and then two more guys because now you've got two guys that don't move the needle and two guys that do. And to me, get three to the needle movers, the, or the gap closers, the one guy that maybe isn't yet, and then focus on 2023. You know, focus on spending all your time on Cardinal Tate and Noah Rogers and Jalen Hale and guys like that. That's what I would, that's what I would focus on. Christopher says, hypothetically, if Notre Dame were to go undefeated, would a one-loss SEC team bypass them into the playoff? No, they would not. S says, Coach, how much of route running is technical and how much is God-given? Today, there seems to be a premium on great route runners in the way offensive evolved, different coaching, or better athlete. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I think the God-given part isn't necessarily route running. It's about athleticism. And so what I mean by that is, when you look at Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy to me is one of the best college route runners we've seen in a long time. There are things Jerry Judy does technically that are excellent. He's very efficient as a route runner. Those are those are coachable traits, right? What's not coachable, however, is the suddenness in which he can change the direction. That's not something you can coach. That specific skill, meaning the quickness, the foot quickness, those type of things is God-given. The, the, the developed part is the specific technique that goes into that so you could have elite athleticism and this is what i was talking about earlier to your point s is i i don't care if a receiver is a great route runner in high school i care do you have the physical tools to become one because that's what i get paid for when i was a receivers coach it's my job to to, to teach you how to run the routes i need to know that you have the god-given ability if you have the god-given ability and you come play for me you're going to become a great route runner sooner rather than later that's true of a lot of the better receiver coaches. I mean, if you go to Ohio State and, and play, for, play for Brian Hartline, you're going to be a good route runner uh, if, as long as you have the, the natural God-given ability. So when you take a guy that's got great God-given ability and then put him in an offense like Alabama's where he's going to get coached well, those two things are going to mesh incredibly well, and you're going to see exactly what we've seen where I would argue in the last 10 years, the two best route runners that I've seen coming out of college played in the same offense, and that's Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. And part of that is God-given ability, but the other part of that is they were coached really well. So I, I think that that to me is it's it's a it's both. And you could be a great, you could be a a really well-coached player, but if you have tight hips, tight ankles, and you're a little bit stiff as an athlete, 
you're not going to be a great route runner. You may be a great vertical route runner on like things where it's more about your speed, like posts and and post corners and and go routes and drags and crossers. But you're not going to be a great route runner when it comes to like the double moves, the post curls, the the stop routes, the comebacks, slants, hitches, things like that. You're not going to be as effective. And that's where you you get that combination of yes, it's God given talent, but it's also a lot techno. You could have all the if Jerry Judy wasn't technically sound, he wouldn't be a great route runner, at least not against the better corners. He is great a great route runner because he has the coaching with the God given ability. Brandon says for this for this to even be considered a successful wide receiver class, Notre Dame Matt Slane, two of Williams, Bradshaw, Merriweather, or Green Jr. Agree, but Green Jr. is not really on the board right now. Uh, there. He's not a he's not a, a necessarily take for them uh, right now. Like they're not pushing for him because he's not interested in them. So it's kind of a that's kind of how it went. But he's not really a guy that's on the board right now, and he's not really looking at visiting. So uh, it's down to Williams, Bradshaw, and Merriweather. Griff says uh, I went to Muhlenberg for my freshman year for football, and we had a six six plus O tackle from Massachusetts. I remember watching his film, and he truly made everyone look like infants. Yeah, there's not big boys there. And Griff, I did not know that you went for Muhlenberg. Uh, did you play for Coach Donnelly? Uh, if so, you uh, that was probably a treat. That's one of the coaches I respect absolutely the most, and I'm I was sad when he passed away a couple of years. But Mike Donnelly was one of the smartest football coaches I've, I've ever been around and I've hung around a lot of division one people. So he was, he was excellent. The Trek reviewer, is it fair to say that Notre Dame has not put out a top notch NFL quarterback since Montana? Other than the rookie year for Rick Meyer, I, I, I think you're correct. I, I, I can't Brady Quinn didn't do anything in the NFL. Jimmy Clausen didn't really do anything in the NFL. Deshaun Kaiser hasn't. 1990s, you know, Ron Paulus didn't do much in the NFL. Obviously, Kevin McDougal was not. Tony Rice. Oh, Steve Berline. Yeah. I mean, to me, Steve Berline was a was a pretty good NFL quarterback. I mean, Steve had a 4,000-yard passing year for the Panthers, led the NFL in passing one year, uh, was around for a long time. So I, I'd say I'd put Steve McNair in that category. Or, Steve, excuse me, Steve Berline in that category. Um, but since Montana, Burline is the only one, and that was, you know, the very beginning of the end of the Faust early, early Lou Holtz era. So it's obviously been a while. So it kind of still makes your point. Let's see here. Ian Moran says it's Chandler Smith that needs to be viewed. Now, Chandler's an interesting player because Notre Dame, he's on Notre Dame's radar. And, and again, I still have not learned anything other than what Tom Loy has already reported, which he's on Notre Dame's radar. He is a very, very explosive athlete. Ian, my issue with him, however, is he's had two major injuries. He's had a, a knee injury and a shoulder injury that have cost him a lot of time, and that would, to me, uh, would, would would be concerning to me. Um, Sup, TT says, Sup, the voice of Notre Dame football. I hope you're being saying that about me. I would appreciate that very, very, very much. The Bears man said, Chandler Smith, as I, as I know him, CJ is a great player and guy. I go to his high school, and he's the real deal. His film was impressive. Well, let's pull it up. I mean, he's a kid from Florida. Let's pull it up here real quick. But yeah, he is. He I've said this before. He reminds me of a taller Braden Lindsay when, when I watch him on film. But as I said, I'm I'm a little concerned about his his injury history. That's really the only thing that that concerns me a little bit. So, um, and Blake just texted me said Noah Rogers has been added to his list, so he will get on him. So let, let me see if I can find his his film here on Huddle. 
That's not him. It's a lot of Chandler Smiths. Goodness gracious. All right. Is this him? I believe this is him. Let's see here. These ads on Huddle just drive me absolutely crazy. Yeah, here we go. So this is this is Chandler Smith. So let's let's watch him. And again, I think you guys are gonna love his athleticism, explosiveness. He can run. But again, I get really nervous about the injury history. Let me take this down. And I think honestly, I think that's a big reason why more schools haven't offered him because it's not about his his speed and athleticism, and he's got some toughness. I, I think the injury history is what's really concerning some teams. But he's athletic. He's got to work on his press moves there. Can't let a corner get into your chest like that, but makes a heck of a catch. You know, he's He's got some schooling he needs to work on, but you can see in these clips he's got very long arms. I think that's something I like. He looks at least to be 6'1". I mean, you know, you go to school with him, you probably don't know better than I do, but his track times are outstanding. He puts up some monster track times with technical work. So he's the kind of guy to me uh, that, that that is exactly what I point to. He's not a great route runner right now. He's just really athletic. But I see the foot quickness. I see the speed. I see the balance. I see the change of direction to where you give me a receivers coach, a kid like that, and I guarantee you he's going to be dynamic because I'm going to teach him how to run routes. The, the, the tools are there. He just has to work at it. So if he's like not a great route runner in high school, I don't care because – it's funny. I went to, um, I was recruited by NC state slightly out of high school and they invited me to their camp to work out at their camp. And I went to their camp. I thought I had a really good camp. I was like second on the jugs machine. I was like second or third when it come to throwing the furthest. I was, I'd really did really well in drills and they didn't pay much attention to me. And they were talking to these two, six, four guys. It sucked. So I asked one of the coaches, I was like, you know, you invite me here and paying all this money to be here. Like, why aren't you recruiting me? And the coach, and one of them, I, I respected the guy. He goes, look, he goes, you see that kid over there? And he pointed some kid from Pennsylvania that sucked. He said, I can teach that kid to throw football. I can't teach you to be 6'5". Oh, well, okay. It's the realest thing anyone's ever told me. But that's how I feel about you know receivers is like, look, I can teach you how to play receiver. I can teach you how to run routes. I can work with you on your ball skills. I can't teach you to be 4'4". I can't teach you to be 6'4". I can't teach you to have suddenness. God, God's in control of that, not me. I can teach you how to run routes, but that's it. And this kid, this kid's got some tools. But like I said, he hasn't been offered yet. And he's a guy that I would imagine Notre Dame's going to want to do some more digging medically on before they offer him a scholarship. But he's got some tools. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And I, I'm, I'm glad you guys brought him up because he was not someone I planned on talking about tonight for the reasons I mentioned, but but he can play. Okay, Jeff Fluke says, do you think uh, the new our new offensive velocity will hurt other teams' defenses? Yes. <laughs> he says, we'll hurt the tight end you mantra. No, I don't think so, because I think that the new philosophy fits in very well with utilizing tight ends. And if anything, it takes some of the pressure off tight ends in regards to if you're spreading the field and you're forcing teams to defend the width of the field, it makes it a lot harder for them to, to focus on in between the numbers where the tight ends are going to do a lot more damage. So to your point, Jeff, I think it's a very fair question, but I actually think it helps the tight ends because I think it's going to allow them to get in more. They're going to have more space to work and it's going to allow them to be, to get into more favorable matchups when, uh, you know, when, when you're, when you're forcing teams to have to defend the width of the field. 
Tommy Leonard says, just based on the number of tight ends in the roster, they're still going to use multiple tight end sets, so probably not. But I don't think it's necessarily about using multiple tight end sets, Tommy, as much as it's about how are you using the tight ends. Brandon says, Nathaniel Joseph is another playmaker in the 2020, in the 23 class that Notre Dame has been offered. He's from the Miami area, and supposedly, talking to some sources down there, he's a very good student and would fit in very well um, at, at Notre Dame. Chris Walter says, why is Coach Kelly so poor at developing receivers? I don't think he – I wouldn't necessarily – I wouldn't criticize him for that. I don't think it's a development thing of receivers. I mean, I think if you look at Notre Dame, they've they've actually done a good job of developing receivers. By the time these guys are done, they're usually good players. I think my issue, however, is the speed with which they do it. And, and that's more of my criticism is that they don't do enough to, to get these guys ready to play early. And it takes – time to get there uh so griff you missed out on coach donnelly that's a that's a bummer he uh coach donnelly was was an, a great great man brandon says raymond cottrell is the receiver i think you were thinking of brian i definitely need to watch this film yes you do he is really good he's a bigger kid very athletic he's a very talented player brandon ennis is another 23 receiver from florida they offered but i don't know if there's much if there's much much traction uh, but you know it, yeah. So, but back to the the question that Chris asked, it, I also think the part of the issue that Notre Dame has now is sort of a a Dell Alexander problem, but also a, a makeup of the staff problem. And here's what I mean by that: I thought Mike Dembrock was a really good developer of receivers. I thought Notre Dame did a good job. And when you point back to, you know, the, the people that want to that get really in their feelings every time you criticize Notre Dame, they point to Kevin Stefferson and T.J. Jones and guys like that. And I'm saying, well. Well, that coach who coached those guys isn't here. Tony Alford was the receivers coach in 2010. Mike Denbrock was the receivers coach for Will Fuller and and who played as well as a sophomore. He was the receivers coach for for Kevin Stefferson and Equinemy St. Brown, who had his breakout as a sophomore. Who's been the sophomore breakout since Brian Kelly's been here? Or I mean, since Dell Alexander's been here. Well, one of the things that helped Mike Denbrock, because remember, Mike Denbrock was also Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, is they had a GA that worked with the receivers as well that is now coaching. I, I think he's at Western Kentucky now, but I thought he did a really nice job helping as well in, in similar in similar fashion to what we saw with Chris Watt, and that was Ryan Mahaffey. So I, I think that's part of it too, is is Dell's kind of doing it by himself as far as I know, whereas, whereas Mike Denbrock had a really good GA, which he needed because he was also the offensive coordinator. Brandon says a lot of playmakers in the 23 class, a lot of elite talent with elite speed. If Notre Dame can't land the Bradshaw and Williams, Merriweather trifecta, then maybe take at most three in the 22 class that we can grab three and 23. I agree with you wholeheartedly, which goes back to the question I was asked earlier about, you know, would you take one of those tier two guys and then two others to get to four? No, I would not. I would take three. And if, if you can't, if you only get Merriweather, I would still just go with Merriweather and Walker. I mean, it's going to put you in a little bit of a numbers crunch, but you know, figure it out. You know, you just you just can't keep taking guys that that aren't going to to move the needle. Let's see, we got last few questions here before we take off. All right, here's an interesting one. Christopher says, if all of the rumors are to be believed, Aaron Rodgers shares your admiration of Jerry Judy's route running ability. I don't know a single person on the planet that doesn't think Jerry Judy's an elite route runner. And, and honestly, I I think that. I look, I know everybody's Aaron Rodgers is a great player and all that, but I'm not giving up three first round draft picks and a premium player for Aaron Rodgers. That's just me as a Broncos fan. I'm also a lot higher on Drew Locke than a lot of people are. And I get why people are down on him because of how he played this year. But 
I look at a young quarterback that was always raw, was working with a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback's coach, and an offseason where he had a bunch of new receivers and no offseason, no camps, no mini camps because of COVID. I think Drew Locke is is gonna is gonna end up being a, a really good player. Brandon says, Brian, you make a great point about Smith and his injury history. I hope Notre Dame doesn't extend the offer and rather focus on the big three. Look, I'm good with them extending the offer if they are comfortable with his medical stuff. If it's like, if they get his medicals back and it's like, yeah, okay, he had a minor knee thing or he had a, you know, his shoulder wasn't that bad or whatever the case may be, then then I, I I'm okay with it. I, I, I really am. It's just they got to do their they got to do their homework first. You can't just look at the film and say we're going to offer that kid. You have to do your homework first when you find out about that kind of injury history. And so, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I, he's on my radar. I would want to get him on camp. He's definitely on my radar because you can't teach that kind of speed. Um, and then Joseph Juan, we'll uh, we'll leave with this. Love the film breakdowns in the show. I, I Joseph, I appreciate you being part of the show. And then we're gonna start doing, like I said, we're gonna start doing more of this. We did quarterbacks last week, receivers this week. I'm gonna do cor- I think I'm gonna do cornerbacks next week. Uh, you know, looking at obviously Jaden Mickey's junior year, we'll look at Benjamin Morrison. We'll look at Devin Moore. We'll look at Nakai Martinez. Maybe do some other things right right there. Um, uh, so, uh, all right, so a couple of questions. Op Dragon nineteen, what's up, Brian? Love the site on Notre Dame football. Uh, with the lack of development of wide receivers, do you think it's time to part ways with Coach Alexander? Look, th- this is my thing. I do not advocate for firing coaches unless it's a situation where they're doing something. Um, morally or ethically wrong. That's just not my place. It does me no good to go out there and advocate for coaches to be fired. I have been a coach. I was a coach who got fired. I know what it was like to go home and tell my wife that we have to pack up and move from this community that you've gotten comfortable with around family and those type of things. That's just not something I'm going to do. I'm going to be critical and say, hey, look, you're not doing the job. You're not doing a good enough job. You need to have a conversation with this guy. He's got to get going. But I just... I'm just not comfortable with going out there and saying you you, you got you got to you know you got to fire the guy. I just I'm not going to do that, especially someone like Dell Alexander, who, from everything I've ever heard, is a is a great guy. You know, and it's the same reason I never advocated for Scott, firing Scott Booker. I thought Scott Booker was a mediocre coach and a pretty ne- a pretty mediocre to bad recruiter, but he was a really good dude. And, you know, it just, it's not my place to do that. The closest I ever came to advocating for a coach to be fired was Brian Van Gorder. And it wasn't just about him being a terrible coach. It was a bad person from, in my opinion, from some things I heard, but again, it wasn't somebody I saw firsthand. And so I just, I'm just not going to do it. I, I think coach Alexander's history tells me he knows how to coach receivers. I think there are some things that have a personality conflict that makes it hard for him to go out and just do the job that I think he knows he knows he knows how to do. He's got to get over that. That's on him. Coach Reese and Coach Kelly got to sit him down and say, hey, "Dell, this is the expectation. You got to go get it done." And then he's got to stop worrying about you know getting chewed out or getting in trouble or whatever else that that may be going on, and just go coach. Go coach those kids up. Do what you do what you did for years that got you to this place. And I think if he does that, then I think they'll be fine because. He developed receivers at Wisconsin. He developed receivers at Arizona State. I think he's a good football coach. I just don't think he's doing a good job right now at Notre Dame. And I hope that turns around because I think Coach Alexander is capable of it. So that's that's where I'm at. Kenny Moore, great analysis tonight, Brian. Good night, everyone. Uh, Kenny, thanks for being part of the show, man. I'm really glad that your work schedule has worked out to the point where you can now be on the show more often. That is, that is great to hear. So I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. 
Uh, Jeff, we will not be doing a kicker punter show. We're going to be doing cornerbacks next week. We'll dive into offensive linemen soon as well. Um, we'll definitely try to get into the offensive linemen before the June visit start because there are some very good offensive linemen on the board. Um, you know, and and I think that's going to be some fun film. And I like watching linemen. I think those are those are that's fun film to watch. So we'll dive into that, do corners next week. We'll do some linemen the week after, maybe do a couple in one week. We'll see how it goes. Depends on what kind of other topics we get into. But I want to thank everybody for joining me. Before you leave, please, please, please hit the like button on this show. If you have not subscribed to Irish Breakdown, hit the subscribe button. It's real easy. You're going to see a little thing like right down here with our logo on it. Just click on that. It's the subscribe button. You're going to see it. Subscribe to our channel. Hit the notification bell. And do me a favor, if you like our channel, if you want to help us grow, then share this with your Notre Dame friends. Tell people about Irish Breakdown. Sign up for the Irish Breakdown newsletter, which I have a link to at the bottom. Our YouTube channel is at the bottom. I mean, excuse me, our link to our podcast is at the bottom, which is basically our YouTube channel, so you don't necessarily need to do both. You can see a link to our website, and you can also see a link to sign up for the daily newsletter, so that way you get all of our content in your mailbox in the morning. Those are things that you can do is sharing our stuff. If you can't support us financially, then support us by reading the stories, watching our videos. Those are things that also help us make money and then share it with your friends. And as TT says, best Notre Dame content. I agree. I think we have the best Notre Dame content around. And that's saying something because there's a lot of talented people that cover Notre Dame football. So I appreciate y'all being a part of it. I'm going to go grab some uh, a late dinner here but i look forward to chatting with all of you again tomorrow everybody have a safe fun rest of your night and we'll chat again very soon Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.